Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date, uh, Star Trek's edition. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Hey, it's week 97. It's a big one. It's the biggest one. I think <laughs> this is this is the day we win the podcasting championship. Is it? Finally. Uh, all of our dreams and all the hard work we've been putting in, all the reps, it's all going to lead to this. Well, there are only... 79 more weeks to go. Yeah, but they're all going to be just the three. Well, most of them are going to be just the three shows. Yeah. I mean, look, I am looking forward to it. This is the 97th time we're sitting down at this roundtable of ours Mm. to determine which of the first five Star Trek series had the best week this week, being week 97. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, all 97 weeks we didn't do week 97. That would be a tough podcast. I mean, there's um, be like the Paul podcast. Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> the so yes, there is the Death Blart Paul cast till death do us Blart, right. uh, where they do watch Paul Blart Mall Cop two every Thanksgiving. But that is based on a podcast called The Worst Idea Ever, in which they uh, two New Zealand podcasters reviewed the movie. I want to say Grown Ups two mm. every single week. For a year. <laughs> I don't want to give our listeners any suggestions. Nobody. That may anything. not be the pod official pod recommendation for this week. No. For the 97th week on this project, I ate a dinner that was um, catered by Totino's. And I've got that Totino's fuel in me. <laughs> so I'm ready. I'm ready to go out there and win the ship, man. It's time for another ring. <laughs> You know, Totino's did sponsor an episode of My Brother, My Brother, and Me. Oh, that's good. I'm glad. (laughs) And they sponsored uh, many of the Monster Factory videos. Mostly pizza roll-themed questions, I believe. Uh, Here's the way we do it. Last week, the worst episode was Enterprise, so we're going to start with Enterprise this week. We watched These Are the Voyages. Yeah. I'll miss that theme. I miss the days when I thought 10 seconds was enough. <laughs> yeah, you usually go a lot longer than that these days. For one of these themes. Okay. Uh, strap in. This yeah. one's nuts. Uh, Archer is preparing for a big speech. Sometime in the future, when Hoshi has been on board Enterprise for 10 years, and the bridge looks a little more like the TOS bridge. Mm. And then Riker, William Riker from Star Trek The Next Generation, Mm -hmm. calls for the computer to freeze program because he's playing around in the holodeck. He gives a personal log about the unexpected arrival of Admiral Pressman, which sets this 
in the middle of the upcoming episode, The Phoenix. Yeah, we haven't covered it yet in this project. Yeah, we'll get to it. And we may have some observations when we do. The Pegasus, you mean. The Pegasus shit. Yeah, the Pegasus. Uh, Old Riker tells old Troy that his dilemma is not about... Listen. (laughs) There's nothing they could do. It was 10 years post TNG when they sat them down to do this one. Mm -hmm. It looked like it, man. It was the wrong 10 years. Yeah, they... um, Can I say that? They didn't have all the cool de-aging CGI. Yeah. They didn't have that, so... Yeah, this ain't like Luke and Leia playfully fighting in uh, what's still a romantic undercurrent in Star Wars Episode Nine. Dude, you're not playing. I I can't believe we didn't even talk about that on (laughs) the phone, but I also noticed that. But for sure, they were were guns to fuck. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, This ain't that. It's just... They just thought... Yeah, he still looks like Will Riker. Yeah, she still looks like Deanna Troy. Let's just slap him in there. I guess they'd only compared them to whatever the latest of the shitty movies had been. Had they done um had they done Nemesis yet? I feel like Nemesis was out. Okay. At so this point. they probably yeah. had looked at that and gone, eh, they don't look too different from that. Uh, yeah, everyone's gonna know. Uh so old Riker tells old Troy that his dilemma is not about breaking a promise, it's about breaking an order. Mm. And so far, this hollow program that she suggested to him, but which we will later learn she has never herself visited, but knows everything about, is not helping him. Mm-hmm. It's like if I was giving you pointers on the <laughs> Star Wars game that you were playing. That's like, right. I've heard about it. I know. I've, I've heard the game, but I have never played it. But here's what you should do. Go check out. Go to this planet. Like, and uh, talk it sounds to this like your guy. rotation needs tweaking or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh he goes back into the program and we see Archer get a call from his old buddy Shran, who he thought had been dead for three years. It's a weird thing to introduce after this time jump. <laughs> it is. It is real weird. We didn't think he was dead, but I guess at some point yeah. they began well, to last, think he was dead. Last time we knew Shran was alive, but mm-hmm. Archer's thought he has thought he was dead for about three, about three of them big years now. Sure. And Shran wants a favor. He needs Archer to grab one last mission with him before he returns to Earth to sign the charter, the Alliance Charter or whatever, the Federation the, Charter. They uh, don't Accords. say explicitly. I don't know what they, what yeah. they say. Uh, Shran's daughter has been kidnapped by former associates hmm. and he needs help. Um, Riker, at this point, turns no clip on and like starts walking through walls and doors and shit so he can watch Archer and Shran talk about his life since they parted. Mm-hmm. Some bad deals with some bad dealers. They think he stole something from them and they're going to kill his daughter if they don't get it back, but he doesn't have it. Right. Uh, later, Archer and T'Pol argue about, you know, what they owe Shran, whether they can risk missing the ceremony. Then T'Pol goes to talk to Chef, and Chef is Riker, because Troy said everybody on that ship talked to Chef. He was like the ship's counselor. I remind you that she later reveals that she has never been in this program, <laughs> and that she maybe toured the ship once in the museum. Yeah, you have to talk to the NPC. They'll, they'll, if you talk to them three times, they'll finally give you the hint you're looking for. No, I've never played it. I just, you know. Yeah. I just know. Uh, so Riker is chef, so he gets to, you know, scramble up Oan eggs and every everything. At this In this mission, I guess Chef's making one last big dinner, and every, he has called everybody, all 83 crew members down there to find out what their favorite dishes are. Jeez. And then he probably just makes them whatever he has. That's right. Good to know. This it's is a good fucking starship. They don't have replicators yet. It's um, He can't just make banana pancakes, and then we go, whose replicator rations did he use? Yeah. In this case... 
he just has everything. But we mostly, it, honestly, we mostly see people like peel carrots and roll out pastry dough. So who the fuck knows? Yeah, he's, this is, information is going to come in handy the next time he has to come up with a shipwide menu. But for today, you're just going to get the fucking uh, plumbing broth or whatever. Riker's mostly interested in whether T'Pol ever gets horny for Trip. Mm. Uh, even though the their intimate relationship is long over at this point in the timeline. Um, but eventually he gets around to some more pertinent questions about Archer and orders. And she says she used to believe nothing was more important than following orders. But she's learned over the years to embrace her instincts. Ooh. Like, you know, maybe to reveal that your old mentor and captain has been and probably still is violating a treaty. <laughs> uh, so he thanks her and walks out of that. Back on the D, he's looking over crew manifests from the Pegasus when Troy walks in. She senses that he feels guilty for whatever happened there, but she doesn't know what it was. She asks him again if the program helped. She's like one of these fucking busybodies mm-hmm. who's like, oh, I'll loan you this book. And you're like, what? I don't. I'm good. I got books. I'm good. And then they insist that they loan you, they loan you the book, and then they constantly harass you so about you read that book? you read the book. Yeah. Oh, you like yeah. it, right? Yeah. He takes her to tour the ship, because I, I think he wants to fuck. <laughs> this is my guess. They walk around there. They go down to engineering. They watch Trip and Reed chatter about whether this rescue mission is safe. Troy teases that Tucker doesn't make it back from the mission. Yeah. But she's wrong about that. But again, she hasn't actually played the program, so, you know, it's hard to say. She knew he died somewhere on this mission, I guess. Yeah, she didn't have the details right. Um, Troy says Archer is cute, and then she says Reg will be furious if she's late. I don't know what that's about. We'll have to see. Does Is Barkley in the Pegasus? Does I, he have a little B story running through the Pegasus? I don't remember. I think they didn't bother to try to see what Troy was up to in that episode. Probably because she, she ain't up to much because she'd be out there going, Eric Pressman's got a lot of lies in his head. Yeah. <laughs> to Picard. <laughs> Listen, Eric Pressman, I know every time we meet an admiral, there's a scene that we don't show where I come in and tell you, that admiral's a fucking liar. <laughs> but this guy's got some whoppers. Like, I've gotten really good. I can now give you kind of an approximate percentage of how many lies are up there, like how much of his thoughts are lies. He's at like 86% lies. <laughs> I know you told me just to nod when an admiral came on board if they were holding big lies or conspiracy <laughs> theories or anything like that. Uh, I got confused at this point also because it seems like this is set way after TNG because of the actors. Yeah. And so I was like, are they <laughs> insinuating that in the future she's dating Barkley? Um, but that's not what's happening nope. here. So we'll have to see when the Pegasus comes on why she said that. I guess it's we're supposed to believe it was just continuing counseling for good old Barkley. Yeah. Uh, they get to Rigel 10. Trip tries to convince Archer to stay aboard. But he's going down with everybody. T'Pol asks Trip if he ever misses her on the shuttle. And he says sometimes. She's worried that their different assignments will keep him apart. But Trip says there's no way they won't keep in touch. Because <laughs> he also hasn't played this program. Yeah, he bought a boat called the SS Live Forever. And, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so these are definitely going to keep in touch. <laughs> mm. The shuttle pods land. Uh... Shran goes to meet his contacts. They bring out his little daughter. He shows everybody the fake amethyst he's trying to pass off. Uh, these clowns let T'Pol lead his daughter away. And then when they go to take a close look at that amethyst, uh, it's been programmed to be a flashbang. Trip sets it off. Yeah. It just shines a bunch of bright lights. 
So it seems like, you know, everyone's going to be pretty chill. But as soon as Shran runs off, the whole Enterprise team starts gunning these guys down from fucking high positions and loopholes and shit. It's a real ambush. It's a hit. They're doing a hit on these guys. Yeah. Riker's (laughs) there. He kills a few. Why not? It's all a joke to him. Uh, Trip dangles off a ledge, but he gets hauled back up. So that was a big tease. It is so wild to believe that in the middle of this Pegasus (laughs) Eric Pressman drama, he's out here playing on the holodeck for like hours and hours and hours like exactly. every time i guess in this tng episode picard's like you need to tell me the truth and Riker's like i can't and then he has to leave or whatever he just goes straight to the holodeck i guess that's what's going that's on crazy um back up on the enterprise archer wants to give shran a lift rather than let him leave on his own slow ass shuttle because he figures he can outrun these creeps because mm-hmm. some of them i guess didn't get murdered we don't really see the end of that but i guess some of them lived uh, back on the Enterprise D, Data calls up Troy. She begs off whatever boring thing he wants to discuss, and then Riker comes in, and he tells her what everyone's about to find on the Pegasus, but he still doesn't know whether to tell Picard. So now, again, in that episode, we're supposed to believe that he has already divulged the details to Troy. To Troy, that's right. <laughs> but not to Picard. Yeah, it's a great choice by him. By the way, this is such a TNG episode that even Data had to be in it. It's just insane. Yeah, that just voice only. Spiner is in this fucking thing calling on the the fucking communicator. Yeah. Uh, in the holodeck, Riker as chef is gossiping with Reed about Trip and then with Hoshi about Trip and then with Mayweather about Trip. He slips up and calls Archer Picard. So it's pretty clear at this point that he has somehow identified himself with Trip. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know that he loves catfish, but why not? Sure. He, uh, he carries on the line of questioning with flocks. Uh, then we see Trip and Archer toasting to the next generation of ships and warp seven. Talk about this big speech. And all of a sudden the ship's under fire and there's an intruder alert. And guess what? Shran's old pals did catch up and they managed to beam board and everything. And they corner Archer in the hallway and there's no fucking security anywhere. Yeah. There's no Makos or nothing. None arrives. No one arrives. (laughs) They threaten to kill Archer. Trip tells him he'll reveal where Shran is. He'll take him to Shran if they just agree to just uh, knock Archer out with a rifle butt, which Trip doesn't know won't kill him. Sure. And then uh, when they do that, he leads them to a comm station, which is like a big closet with rolling doors. And It was such a some... wild room that he took them to. For a second, I thought he was leading them to the airlock, and they were done. I also thought he was going to airlock everybody, including yeah. himself at that point, frankly. Uh, he takes out a big old monster speaker cable and uh, triggers some kind of explosion by plugging it into something that, I want to be, I want to be honest about this. Looks exactly like the socket that that cable is supposed to go into. <laughs> Dude, they did fit pretty well. I mean, so that's against a lot of best practices. If yeah. to, if when you put two things together, there's a plasma explosion that kills a bunch of uh, mean alien goons and eventually trip. Mm-hmm. Uh, you shouldn't be able to physically socket those two things together. Yeah, they gotta thank their lucky stars. Those two cords were never dangling at the same time because it, it would have been very put, natural to be like, well, it looks like they fit. You got to put one of them in a bigger connector with some unused connections or something like. Yeah, just to, so just that to it, bunch so it up. You literally cannot plug them in together. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess those three die. Trip is slowly dying of plasma lung. Yep. And he codes and Phlox puts him in a hyperbaric chamber and then gives Archer a knowing look. And then I guess off screen Trip dies. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's crazy. 
He's just dead in the next scene. Yeah, because the next scene is T'Pol packing up all the trip shit, and he doesn't have much. No. And Archer walks in, and she asks if his parents are still coming to the speech, and she says she wants to meet him. Archer says they're a little eccentric, and she says her mom was a little eccentric. Mm. And Trip used to say that she'd stop missing her mom as the years went on, but that hasn't turned out to be true. Anyway, then I guess Riker moves the simulation back in time. Because he's talking to Trip now. Yeah, or we, or even worse is, or he we, just had him resurrected, or we are seeing from earlier when <laughs> or Riker we're seeing was seeing when Riker did it earlier. Yeah, yeah. it's not clear which, and no. it doesn't matter. It's stupid either way. Mm-hmm. He's talking to Trip um, about how proud Archer is to be signing the charter, how rare it is to find someone you can really, really trust. Mm-hmm. Uh, Trip almost says Picard. And then a cutscene from Wing Commander 4, The Price of Freedom, plays. <laughs> and it turns out that we're at the signing ceremony, and all the B players are watching from way up in the nosebleeds. Mayweather and Reed are hoping Archer will take one of the new ships and they can sign on with him. Neither one of them's been promoted. Oh, no, it's been a rough six years since the last episode for them. They, they want to keep not getting promoted and just tie themselves to Archer's coattails, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um,. Archer and Phlox and T'Pol, you know, the main cast, are in the green room. Yeah. No one is sad about Trip at all, and it's no. time for the big speech. <laughs> By the way, last week, remember how sad they were about that random baby? Oh, everyone, yeah. Everyone was broken up. Phlox was crying. <laughs> everyone cried. Everyone cried about the baby last week. Yeah. But fucking main character Trip died this week. Everyone was just like, no, that's what it's like out in the cosmos. Yep. Uh, it's time for the big speech. T'Pol tells Archer his dress jumpsuit makes him look very heroic, and he gives her a big hug. No one is sad about Trip at all. Riker tells Troy he's ready to talk to Captain Picard, and they end the program. We don't get to see the speech, and no one is sad about Trip at all. Picard, Kirk, and Archer give the boldly go speech in their three enterprises. End of series. Yeah. Boy, I mean, I was... They were just like 10% away from just saying that the entire series had been a holodeck program that Riker was running. <laughs> like, they, they, they are so unceremoniously canceling the show at the end of this episode. If Troy had said, you don't want to watch the speech, and Riker had said, I mean, no one knows if any of this really happened anyway. <laughs> you'd be like, okay. <laughs> I've never seen a planned last episode that had less fanfare for a show ending. Honestly. Uh, it's... it's- it's wild. It's absolutely wild. And Matthew, what is this one about? Uh, let's start with Ben. He said, uh, because of the selflessness of heroes, selflessness of heroes like Trip, humanity has proven itself ready to take on the dangers and challenges of space. It finally, definitively answers the. I assume he was going to write more, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe the central question of the yes, show. Yes. <laughs> he uh, gave it a six. <laughs> I. I mean, I don't know how we learned that in this episode. Yeah. I know he gave the big speech at the end that we didn't see, but um, otherwise uh, they went on a when, weird revenge journey or something. When I was seven minutes into this and I got super excited that I got to stop watching it to go mm-hmm. uh, do something else for a minute or whatever. Yeah. And you said, you could just stop there and guess the rest. Maybe that was about the Voyager and not about, doesn't matter. Anyway. No, what I was saying was, um, it, it does nothing happen. What I meant was nothing matters in this episode. It's not about anything. Well, anyway, maybe Ben did stop watching seven minutes in and guessed that it answered the central question of the show. <laughs> Could be. Um, anyway, give it a six. Um, yeah. Which Guessing makes, you didn't. makes sense if they had answered the uh, def- the central question of the show. 
I had when in conflict. Place your conscience above your boss, I guess. So that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that take. Just like when they when those two things are in conflict, your conscience and your boss's orders, then you go with your conscience. Okay, good to know. Um, because this was Riker's central, or Riker's main problem, and I guess trip in the one scene disobeys Archer <laughs> and goes and dies. And that's how Riker knows. He's got to tell Picard about the violation of the fucking Treaty of Algernon or whatever. <laughs> that's right. It's definitely Algernon. And um, yeah, Trip uh, uh, disobeyed orders and died immediately afterward within minutes. So that's how you know that it's the right thing to do. Anyway, I don't have any problem with the take. The take's a six. Okay, great. <laughs> what about you? Um. Yeah, I mean, for like the 50th time, and this show is particularly... <clears throat> Uh, obsessed with this idea there are higher callings than duty and following orders mm-hmm. we literally this was the take uh in the fucking first episode where goddamn you know sec- the second parter where goddamn reed was locked up in the yes fucking in the <laughs> section 31 arc or whatever yeah locked in prison desperate to the help second us. one of them klingon ones right yeah we keep coming back to this uh i agree but it's like Knock it off. Yeah. I gave it a three. Okay. So just because of overuse. I mean, it's they, they've done this one already this season. Yeah. And by the way, that sort of telegraphs what we can expect the take to be on the Pegasus episode, I suppose. Yeah. I mean, isn't it kind of? That's the episode. It's weird that we had to do it again because we already saw the resolution of that episode. Yeah. It's not like we didn't know what Riker That decides. episode from 1993 or 1994 where Riker finally does the right thing. Yeah. Like, and it's like, all right. I mean, we we know the resolution. We've seen it. Why do we have to do it again? It's very confusing. It's a fucking repeat, even in TNG, because it's the same as the first duty. Yes, that's right. Except in the first duty, Picard says it. Yeah, he's very helpful like that in that one. Yeah. Does, uh, he does some good speech making. All right, well, what did you... Uh, uh, no, you're not wrong, though. It's Three is too low. It's probably a five. <laughs> See, look, if you I wanna, was just mad. If, I was mad. If you want to send them out with a fucking uh, bat to the head, go for it, man. I don't care. <laughs> I'm done with these guys. I'm not even going to remember this show in a few years. Ben's a three for execution. He says, interesting framing mechanism, though it takes us out of the story. You know, shit. Embedding this shitty show inside a better show doesn't make it better. Nope. Uh, I must know how the holodeck works. Yeah, uh, he says it was some random dilemma of Rikers that was the driving force of this episode. He's not wrong. Which completely robs Enterprise of its own resolution. <laughs> and he's completely right. Because yep. this episode's not about Enterprise. And th- if they had just done the episode where all the plot that we just saw in this time jump happens in the episode... Without the framing device, at least you could write that it was a send-off to Enterprise. Listen, fucking, even if it was Jonathan Frakes as chef, (laughs) and you'd be like, it's still a cheap, it's still cheap that they finally showed him and it's Frakes. But it was at Uh, least happening in the show and we were seeing it. And even if they'd been like, oh, it's Riker's great-grandpappy. That's right, Chef Riker. Yeah, do you know what I mean? You'd be like, well, that sucks, but yeah, exactly. Uh... Well, it's a real slap in the face to Enterprise to send it off this way. Yup. Talking to the projection of all of these historical figures helps him do the right thing. 
Again, that's it. That's the end of the show. Again, in an episode we saw fully, and that was never mentioned at all, that we thought the reason he did the right thing was because his conscience led him there. But I guess these holograms led him to his conscience. Exactly. The blue screen is terrible. Mm -hmm. The CGI of the Enterprise D is wrong somehow. It's not awful, but there's something wrong about it. I can't think of one good reason to kill Tripp's character this way, especially since there's, like, one scene about it in the rest of the episode. Wait, what do you mean? It helps Riker. <laughs> Did see Tripp die? It's because he, he disobeyed that order. That's the reason, because it helped Riker. You know, Riker, main character on Enterprise, important for this yeah, show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> uh, and, of course, not showing the birth of the Federation at all, just having Riker and Troy fuck off, like, who cares? Yeah, I don't is care the about the ultimate insult. Mm-hmm. Like, this is, the birth of the Federation is the culmination of this whole show. It's humanity's mission into space and turning enemies into allies and turning already warring factions into allies of each other and setting the stage for the Federation that we know. But we don't even stay for the fucking speech. What an insult. The speech he's been complaining about writing the whole episode. Uh, to sum it up it was a very dumb show I don't know why the producers thought the tech was there to do it and I wish it hadn't happened and I gave it a 2 okay Um, let's see time jump dumb hair and outfit changes abound Um, yeah he keeps flipping the fucking holodeck to objective mode so he can just walk around and look at stuff yes like he said no clipping yeah and it's like all right, but then at that point, can't you just watch a movie? Why you got to stand in it? He's taking up a whole holodeck that people could be using yeah. for some kind of futuristic hoverball or fucking or anything. Yep, and I think Ben will point out in his world building that it's the holodeck's very good at letting him be chef and have interactive conversations. <clears throat> That's not new for the holodeck. It's just very good at that stuff. Yes. Um, but it is very stupid. Uh, obviously having your series finale be a TNG episode is just a wild, wild choice. Um, trying to convince us this Riker is in that old TNG episode, all old and sad and melting, (laughs) is also a wild choice. Troy, too. She's like 80% more British in this episode. Uh, we'll talk about it, but she clearly, this is along her personal arc when she no longer feels like she has to do any kind of voice for Troy. Uh Uh-huh. And I thought... When I watched the TNG this week, that we had already arrived there. No, there's another level. But when you see this one and you're just like, okay, so she's just from Liverpool now? I think she gets there in the movies. I think during the the movies is when it happens. Yeah, during the shitty TNG movies, you're like, oh, I guess she's just, she's just British. She's just done with it. She's just like, you know what? Fuck it. Everyone can deal with it. Mm -hmm. I don't wear the cat suits anymore and I don't do the voice. Also, the Riker in that old episode with Eric Pressman is like 300 times more tense. Than this quiet, (laughs) shuffling, reading off the page Riker that we get. Like that episode, Riker is all full of angst about the terrible crime that happened before. Yeah. And what to do about it. And the guy wants to do another crime. But in this one, he's just reading off the page and at times just having a good old time on the holodeck. Yeah. It's very odd. Um, He really... He really lets himself go. He really gets into the chef stuff mm-hmm. and the fucking gunning down <laughs> gangsters on Rigel 10. He does some data level facial expressions when he's shooting dudes. Yeah. Uh, yikes to the CGI walking on Archer in this last scene when he's going to go give a speech. 
Well, the whole <laughs> so fucking bad. the whole arena, man. It's really bad. Uh, <clears throat> it's when did Final Fantasy VIII come out? Because this is definitely sub that. Yeah, that was like ninety eight, something like that. Ninety nine. Yeah. I don't know. So this is six years on from that, and uh, well, that was clearly a labor of love. <laughs> um, in this forty two minute episode, we have to do like we have to tease Trip's death. She talks about how he won't come back from that mission, and then he does the thing where he almost falls off the platform when he's getting shot at. Why? Is we yeah. this episode's already so short? This is your series finale. We're gonna do a f- uh, oh, is Trip gonna die here? No, he didn't. Not only that, but we're in the future. Trip's dead either way. I know. Is what I'm saying. They're all dead. Sense. Even T. Paul's probably dead. They all fucking dead for sure. Uh, I mean, we got time to at ra- this point. At this point, where they are, I'm pretty sure Sarek's dead. <clears throat> oh yeah, well yeah, he yeah he dies before that. He dies in unification, which I think is before that. Um, okay, so we got time to wrap up the whole series and do this <laughs> shit and do Riker shit and do mostly Riker shit. <laughs> <clears throat> to be fair, they gave themselves so little to do that they actually managed to pull it off without it seeming really rushed. It's just kind of like, it's the most whatever last mission I've ever seen. Shran needs help getting his daughter back from some thugs is yeah. the final mission. You remember when Picard had to save humanity from the thing that Q probably made up? <laughs> yeah, remember when Q convinced Picard that he was saving humanity in three different time periods? Though clearly if Q could travel to the future, <laughs> he'd be a lot less confounded right. by Picard. On every and every encounter, but at least it felt epic. You remember in DS Nine, and I don't know if you do, but they win a whole giant galactic uh, well, space uh, war, and then Cisco becomes Cisco a goes prophet, off to become a god. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Well, in this one, they beat up some thugs, but they still lose a man. They lose a man. <laughs> they, they lose a guy later after the thugs. <laughs> the thugs come back. The thugs are your twice. The thugs catch them. <laughs> two two encounters with the thugs in this forty two minute. I keep saying forty two minute because it's wild. They didn't do a two parter, <laughs> and I'm so glad they didn't. <coughs> um, look, it's better than TOS's last episode. Yes, but TOS didn't know. Yes. <clears throat> or care. I don't think they cared. Maybe they knew, but they didn't care. At that point, they definitely didn't care anymore. There's no attempt to wrap up TOS in that episode. This is the next worst, because they didn't, there's just <laughs> nothing. There's no attempt to send off the show in any way that says, we liked this show. It sends it off in a way that says, nobody liked it, we don't like it, it's gone. It's off the air, you won't have to see it anymore, you can just watch whatever's on UPN now. It, well, it sends it off in a way that's like the answer to the question, how come no one talks about this enterprise or cares about or talks about Jonathan Archer or mm-hmm. how come none of this stuff that, that happens in this show ever came up in TOS or TNG sure. suggests that the answer is nobody cares. No fucking cares. In the future. Troy don't Riker care. Riker didn't want to watch the big speech. Troy apparently has heard enough about this program that that she knows all the details and she still never played it because that's how little she cares. Yeah, it's, this is this is, maybe it's considered like a, a culturally significant program, but it's one that nobody watches. Like mm-hmm. this is their roots or well, something. Well, they always complain mm-hmm. about Archer's bad acting, probably. Oh, maybe his bad delivery. <laughs> like I don't know, man. I don't think the Hollow programmers got it right. The dude seems like he's always gonna cry. It seems like maybe he's like got emotional difficulties. Did you get that when you played? Because yeah, to me, he seemed like he was gonna cry. But I couldn't figure out why. I think they're trying to be like, look how far we've come. But they've really, they've got this guy cranked up to 11 and I'd rather see him at six. 
anyway, only the fact that it wasn't completely terrible to watch gave, got it as high as a three for me. But it's just like, I don't understand why this is what they did. I don't understand any of the decisions that were made. Uh, world building. Yeah. Some Federation business is about to happen. Signing some accords. It don't matter. We don't see it. The Rigel 10 trading outpost. Uh, Andorian cabbage soup. We haven't covered it in this project yet, but everything about the Pegasus disaster was... It was covered previous to this episode, in real time. Yeah. Um, the bridge is eventually going to get way more cluttered, huh? Oh, uh, yeah, for sure. It's like that big post in the middle of the room with one monitor on it. Can you just put that monitor somewhere else? <laughs> it doesn't seem like it needs to be there. Is that a load-bearing post? What is that? <laughs> Why is it there? <laughs> it was just right in the middle of the room. You had to walk around it? Could have just, like, had the monitor in front of him in some way. Could have, like, I don't know. Could have been, like, the thing that Kwong Su wears when he's trying to eat that persimmon or whatever. Could have just come over from the back oh, of his chair. Could have put on a hat, a fishing pole on a hat? Yeah, or, like, from the top of the chair or something. I'm just, <laughs> I don't understand why they made that whole column. Um, uh, Tanibi and Amethyst, that thing was huge. It was, like, a big fist size amethyst that, again, they mocked up to be a migraine maker. Um... I'm sure it was worth a lot of money. Sure. You know, but like, I don't know, whatever. Uh, how much in this project have we talked about the Treaty of Algeron? I think it's come up a few times because like Gowron disavowed it in DS9 already. No, Gowron disavowed the Kittimer Accords. Oh, you're right. Yeah, he didn't. Oh, yeah. The Treaty of Algeron. I don't think the Treaty of Algeron has come up yet unless we talked about. The, that's right. That's fine. Because that's being cloaked the, in the Alpha Quadrant. That's right. Because that's with the Romulans. It's a, such a wild treaty that never really gets full examination. Where Starfleet, I guess, to end the Bad Space War, that has already ended at this point, <laughs> and which we will not see. They say you guys can do all the cloak business you like, but we'll never do a cloak. Yeah. Uh, it does also seem like in exchange for that, the Romulans are fucking boxed into like two systems, though. Yeah, you go away <clears throat> and you stay away, but you can cloak all you want or whatever. But I feel like that needs more explanation in universe because that is. That's like some altruistic shit that everyone in the Federation who's a bad guy is like trying to undermine. The Federation thinks they have a good union, but they don't. Do you remember when Kirk snuck into the <laughs> Romulan neutral zone to steal a cloaking device? Uh huh. He's not even a bad guy, we're supposed to think. And he was like, fuck this. Uh, well, that was that. definitely... The Treaty of Algeron was not definitely not the end of the Earth-Romulan War. It must have been... Post-Kirk? Yeah, well, in this one, uh, Troy says it redefined the neutral zone. Okay. And it must have been post-Kirk because they didn't even know about cloaking prior to that. Okay. <clears throat> uh, prior to... Uh, you know, the good one. Well, Kirk was like, I want one of those. Let's get one of those. And Yeah, and then in the Enterprise incident, they did go steal one. <laughs> and, then, and then obviously you got Eric Pressman's and people like him were out there like, nah, we're just going to do a cloak. So I just feel like that, I wish there was an episode about it or something, or some more detail. Because it would be interesting to see how they got there. Um, yeah, did, it, did, did the treaty already exist at the time of the Enterprise C? Right. Like, where, where, where was it? When was that their treaty? Uh, by this point, after the time jump, they can get to warp seven. Um, I didn't know what, uh, I don't think this ship can, I don't think enterprise. No, can. no, no. The uh, Starfleet. Yeah. Um, 
I don't really know what to do with any of it. I don't even necessarily know it's canon. I don't know what Riker's playing at. It's all a holodeck <laughs> program. I don't know. Uh, I gave it a three. <clears throat> uh, I'm a. That was a two. Let me talk it through here. Enterprise was mothballed after only ten years. Yeah. For a new batch of warp seven capable ships, I guess it couldn't have been retrofitted. I mean, to be fair, it had been blown all to hell like a hundred times. Yeah, maybe it, was it went through a lot of shit, huh? Just coming apart or something. Yeah, maybe it makes sense. Um, the alliance pictured here, Riker says, led to the Federation. Mm-hmm. Is this not? Is it? Is this? This is Federation Day twenty one sixty one, right? Does, is Federation Day celebrate an earlier alliance? Maybe it does. It? Yeah, it celebrates the one that led to the good one, maybe. Um, Archer was a signatory to that. Uh, for a minute during the Pegasus, Riker and Troy were 10 years older, but then they probably got rascaled or something off screen. <laughs> yeah, they just restored the earlier pattern from the buffer. I guess this helps us. This tells us a little bit about the Treaty of Algeron. Yeah, a little. Oh, okay. I'm going to go as high as three. You've talked this episode up three points for me so far. I'm, I didn't even like it, but I'm crushing it right now. Uh, characterization. Oh, and ben I don't know if, if Ben, t- if do we do his world building? He was also a three. Uh, he's a three. Like you said, yeah. the bots must be very well programmed on the holodeck. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, characterization. He's a three. Also, welcome back, Shran. Yeah. He says, gross, Wrecker had to kiss uh, hollow program teeps. Yeah, he's a real fucking creeper. He, like, freezes her, and she ain't even real, and he still gives her a kiss. It's fucking yeah. weird. He says it, that he thinks characterization counts for the TNG characters here. <sighs> Troy is still giving Reg counseling sessions. Archer likes whiskey. That's actually not even about Riker. Uh, Trip likes raw carrots. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't even peel them. Doesn't even peel them. Yeah. Oh, well, Hoshi says when they met, he could barely speak English, so... <laughs> For a second, I thought I'd spaced out and didn't know she who she was talking about. She also explicitly says he didn't go to college. Yeah, what was he? Just some kind of... So, did he just build his own fan boats at home, and then he eventually uh, he graduated? He learned fucking around on boats, teaching people to scuba dive in Florida. Fucking weird. Um, He says it feels weird tonally. Yeah. For me, none of the people from Enterprise in this show are real. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Riker is a dipshit, and Troy forgot her accent. She really did. I gave it a zero for characterization. Okay. Well, this was the tricky part. Like, do I count this? Does this count? It's a hollow program, but is it supposed to be, like, is it accurate? These are the questions that Ben was asking during the world building, like, or during the uh, execution. Like, do they just have, like fucking body cams and shit so they were able to record all of this or is it all just a big make up like did they have these personal conversations about trip or whatever because if they didn't I can't give it more than I'm not I would give it a zero too because Riker's not even in this show sorry he's in another show and we've already seen this whole episode yeah I'm not learning anything about Riker it'd be double this. dipping frankly given Pegasus points here huh <sighs> Yeah, I suppose it's a zero. When I was counting all the things that happened in it, it was a five. Just a straight down <laughs> just a straight down the middle five. But yeah, I think it's a zero because I don't I don't think it can count. I don't think this was real. That is rough. Mm-hmm. Do you have some nice quick hitters for the people? Um T Pole's new cat suit was a bit pingier. 
Yeah. And the actress knew it. She was just standing there with her arms folded as much as possible in every scene. Yep. Fucking Star Trek producers. Um, dude, say what you want about Shat's delivery of any of his lines. When they do the boldly go speech at the end, and it transitions from Kirk to Archer, you really get a feel for just how bad Bakula is at reading. <laughs> he does such a bad job with half a line. When it comes say... right after Shat, you go, oh no. It's not just half a line, it's the main Star <laughs> Trek line. <laughs> it sounded like he'd never heard it before. The bully goer, no a man has gone before, or whatever he says. <laughs> just yeah. like, that sucked. That wasn't good at all. Because they give you a fucking pet stew, and then they give you Shat. And Shat's is definitely very Shat. He wasn't playing around in that opening credits monologue in that series. Yeah. Uh, and that's it, man. That's a wrap for me on this show. What about you? I had a few. I had a few. Uh... Riker got old fast. Yeah. Like, he, I wrote um, here Riker got old fast after TNG. This is like 10 years after the end of TNG. But then I thought about, while we were talking, I thought about how he looks in season one of TNG. Yeah. And how he looks in season seven. <laughs> that was a big seven years for him. You know, I feel like nowadays as an actor, literally your only job is to stay in amazing shape. Yeah. And that was not the case in the 80s and 90s, I guess. Because I don't think it's that's not even about the shape that he's in. Like his eyes got so old. Oh yeah. Oh, I mean, he would definitely have looked older after all those years. But don't you think he would have looked better if he'd been like I don't know, eating right and like <laughs> you know, like fucking exercising, maybe like doing the treadmill or something, just something. If he believed in the power of a curse and <laughs> took pains to avoid them. Yeah, I just um, because I mean, anyone on that crew, they all only Pat Stu stays in shape. Yeah, kind of seemed that everyone way. Everyone else on the show. Jordy, just, maybe? Jordy doesn't look that different, but still, if you see him in season one in those tight uniforms they had. Yeah, he's I don't slimmer think he's, in season one, for sure. Yeah. And um, even Worf is really bulky by the time he's on DS9. He's just, like, really hulking and not, like, a big muscle man. I don't think he was hitting the gym. I think he was just big. No, but that's the way with them Klingons. Like, mm. there's the ripped Klingons are only the dumb Klingons. Glag. Clag and such as. Yeah, basically. <laughs> like, ever, all the other Klingons have that, uh, you know, kind of strongman gut. Yes, yeah, they don't care about abs. Or they're just full-on Kimpok. Abs are not useful enough for them, I guess. Klingon warriors no. don't need that shit. Uh, yeah, it's true. He's aging into a Klingon body, 100%. But I'm just saying, like, nowadays, in fact, you saw it on Enterprise. The cast stayed in incredible shape. Yeah, I mean, it was only four years. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not, we're not checking in. Jesus, that show went off the air, like... If we compared Bakula from season one to whatever Scott Bakula looked like in like 2016 or something, that's roughly a fair comparison. You know he still looked good, though, because he was doing them NCISs or whatever he's on. Yeah, yeah. He still had to look good in case he had to be a salt and pepper fox or whatever. Yeah, he, exactly. You know there's probably in his contract that three NCSs a year he takes his shirt off. Mm-hmm. And it's also in his contract that every episode somebody remarks on how handsome he is. What fucking happened in this episode? I couldn't try to say he was a fucking beefcake. They made her say it. It's like the show's over. Why are we still pandering? <laughs> Troy, what I would if Troy had said, "Smells like chlorine in here," <laughs> I would have liked that scene so much more. Well, that's like, ah, dipshit. The problem, not just with Enterprise, but all of them. We often say, if they were just a little bit more self-aware, think of how many points they could get on these rubrics. Um, 
hey, I knew there was a shot somewhere in this episode because of reading Ex Astra Scientia where there are two Rikers. I didn't realize it was right away. In that shot, the first shot where we get out of the holodeck and go to 10 forward, they pan past a Riker and then over to where Riker and old Riker and old Troy are talking. It's incredibly lazy. <laughs> it's it's you know, literally the minimum amount of effort. Then a shot of 10 forward and we're good. And it's like <laughs> there's literally two characters that you can't have in it. You can't have yeah. <laughs> either Riker or Troy in your panning shot because they're in this they're in this scene. But nope. Uh, Troy has completely dropped the accent and it's jarring. Yeah. Um, I bet Riker kisses a lot of frozen ladies in the holodeck <gasps> because he's a creep and even his closest friends believe he is capable of rape. <laughs> they couch it in things like she believes she's telling the truth. Yeah. I don't know what to tell you, buddy. <laughs> I guess it's not interesting how the bad guys caught up, huh? Or where Shran is, or <laughs> what know. happened to him and his daughter. We never see them again. I mean, literally, Archer says, you said they couldn't catch up, and everyone just goes, wow. Or somebody says that. He, maybe he says, yeah. Shran said, because Shran's not in that scene. Shran said they wouldn't be able to catch us. And it's like, they did. Yeah, it's a, the, it's a serious rap on Shran, like, way early in the episode. Yep, he takes, uh, he takes off after his daughter in T-Pole, and that's it. Also, they decided it wasn't interesting at all to see Trip die. Nope. Uh, and Mayweather's still an ensign after 10 years. Archer must not be writing good performance reviews for him. And then probably going to him and going, I don't know what to tell you. I just keep sending in these great reviews. <laughs> that, that, that For some reason, the brass isn't coming through for you. I don't know. You just got to stick it out, man. Mm -hmm. You know, play the game. Don't rock the boat. If you leave now, it'd be the biggest mistake of your life. Trust me. <laughs> uh, best actor. That's a hard one. I gave it to, to Paul with emotions now. She yeah. was playing that she just has emotions now, right? I think that's but right. But she just has just become cool with them. I think over the six-year time jump, she was just like, yeah, yeah, now I got emotions. Just like when we visited her in the far future where she was Archer's weird dementia caretaker. Yeah, and was uh, in love with him. It was an odd Yeah, episode. that well, that sucked, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, worst actress, Troy. <laughs> She's not even a member of the cast. She got nailed again. You got nailed again, I, Listen, Troy. I give it to guest actors all the time. I know. Usually I give best actor to guest I'm actors. I'm saying how unfortunate for her she got nailed. There wasn't even a TNG. <laughs> Didn't even count. <laughs> okay. Well, that's it for Enterprise. Thank fucking God. Are we going to wait to the end? Going forward, we don't have to watch it. Are we going to wait to the end for actor rankings, or are we going to do them now? Nah, let's do them at the fucking end. Okay. Uh, so third place last week was TNG. Ooh. This week we watched The Mind's Eye. Jordy's on a shuttlecraft trip to Ryza playing Slugbug when a Romulan warbird uncloaks in front of him and he's beamed out. After the credits, we join the Enterprise, which is ferrying a special envoy from the Klingon Empire to the Creosian colonies. Oh, I should say, in the first scene, it seems like he's going on vacation, but then everyone asks him about how the seminar was. So, I think it was a he, working vacation. In in the log, he says that he is going to a seminar on okay. Ryza, but Captain Picard suggested he go a few days early and enjoy himself, and he did not say no. Okay, all right. Uh, and by the way... 
at least the Romulan implanted memory has decided that it is a sex adventure, uh-huh. right? So it is sex tourism. Don't think about it. Don't think about it. What is the Federation? Mm-hmm. Uh the Klingon High Council thinks that the Federation has been aiding the rebels on Krios, and uh, this old boy, Kel, aims to find out, even if it means having to work with Worf. Back on the Warbird, Jordy gets strapped into a chair, and a photo double is sent to Risa in his place. Uh, not a good one. It's, a, it's not that good. It's a they, real all-look-same, uh, huh? Jesus. Either they think uh, maybe all humans look the same. Yeah. Uh, or they think the visor is going to cover a multitude of sins, or they've read his profile and they know Jordy don't know nobody on Risa. <laughs> That's probably the safe bet for sure. But I just think maybe the producers was just like, I don't know, find a black guy. <laughs> I don't know. Well, the, Jordy probably had a stand-in, right? I didn't look into it. It's probably just his stand-in. Yeah, probably. Uh, his interrogator uses his own visor connections to show him images directly in his brain. He claims it will be undetectable and LaForge will be under their control when it's all over. Kel tries to butter Worf up for some reason, maybe political. It's hard to tell, but he's definitely, he, uh, he definitely does not seem as disgusted by Worf as the other Klingons we've seen. He read, uh, some business about Worf and he knows how Worf's just here for compliments. <laughs> all he wants is compliments. <laughs> Yep, that's... Yeah, stay out of my quick hitters. Okay. Um, in some kind of holodeck, LaForge's handlers make him kill O'Brien. He hesitates a little, so they have him put through another brainwashing session that we don't see. We next cut back to Jordy on the Enterprise talking to Data. He seems normal, mm-hmm. but when we see through his eyes, he has a bunch of Romulan glyphs, Matrix style, across his field of vision. Mm-hmm. Data briefly detects an odd energy transmission when that happens, but he can't localize it because it's in the E-band. But he has all this help from Riker. Well. (laughs) Riker keeps looking over his shoulder, telling him how he's sure it's a protostar. He knows. You know that in Data's report to Picard, he notes that uh, Riker's assistance only slowed him down by 12 minutes. (laughs) Total. Data doesn't know how to lie about that shit. He doesn't. Yeah, he doesn't know how to to, uh, keep that one. I would have gotten there much faster, but Riker kept telling me about how it was a protostar, and I kept having to tell him (laughs) about how it wasn't. It's definitely not, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, The Creotian governor, Klingon governor on Creos, Vogue, throws a phaser rifle at Picard, wants to know what it's doing there. Picard takes it up to be examined. Uh, Jordy goes and spills a drink on O'Brien, but I don't think anyone in 10 forward noticed or cared. No, he, I mean, it's very obvious. I could only assume his handlers were testing to see if they still had control because he just walks I mean, right up to O'Brien like and just dumps it on him. Just d- dumps a red drink down his back. Yeah. And then they do a bunch of, oh no, chief, uh, let me, let me dab that up. And he's like, I'll just go to my quarters and change. We have replicators and everything. It's. Also, what do you mean clean it up? The ship cleans itself. He stands up from his seat like power play O'Brien, but then remembers he's the lowest <laughs> ranking person on the ship. And then That's fucking right. gets the, back in Since line. Simon Tarsi's got cashiered, he's the only <laughs> crewman left on the ship. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Then we see Jordy testing, test firing this phaser rifle. He and Data discover that it's, it's too good. It's hella good. It's better than it's better than a Federation phaser rifle should be. They look at each other and say, "This is way too good. We can't make this. We're not good at this." Uh, also, it's been charged up all funny. 
LaForge suspects Romulans, mm-hmm. and uh, sure enough, we then see him telling Vogue it was a Romulan fabrication. But apparently, uh, his handlers he, don't have like immediate control over him. No one rushed in there and sent a signal, so it was like it could only be Cardassians. You know, they had three days to brainwash him, and but it does seem like most of the time they can send him a 140-character text message, <laughs> and that's that's it, and they can't do it that often. No. Uh, he gets another message while he's down there uh, telling Vogue about it, and Data detects another E-band blip. Mm. Riker asks if it's Romulans, if they can pinpoint, pinpoint the source of any further emissions. Jordy then goes and beams a crate down to the colony, uh, erasing logs as he goes and swapping chips around and everything. And uh, Vogue immediately calls up and tells Picard, hey, we got all those weapons that you tried to beam down to the surface, man. That was... You... <laughs> Very bad. What? How, I mean, honestly, I'm not even... think this was going to work? Honestly, I'm not even that mad because you did... It was so bad. You did <laughs> such a bad job. This is like... This is pretty wild. Uh, and uh, then a Vorcha and two birds of prey roll up. <laughs> Uh, why a Vorcha and two birds of prey? You know why. You know why. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's a reuse of footage. Yes. A very obvious reuse of the footage from the episode where he had to decide the next ruler of the High Council. Yep. <clears throat> reunion, I guess. Uh, yeah, reunion. Data confirms that something was transported down, but he and Jordy don't seem to know much about it, and they only have a few hours until the High Council gives Vogue the orders to open fire, so... Data and Jordy work, and they trace the issue to Cargo Bay 4. They start investigating there. They explain to Kel and Picard what they found, and Jordy gets another transmission, mm. and Riker calls Data to help track down the source. Kel tells Picard, you know what? Invite Vog up here so he can see that you're really doing an investigation. But, twists and turns, Jordy goes to visit Kel in his quarters eating an octopus. Yeah. And Kel orders him to kill Vogue in the cargo bay in front of witnesses and claim it was Federation orders. Kel, by the way, sitting down, so happy to be sitting down to this meal. He looks so pleased. I don't know yeah. what it was. I mean, most people don't like the replicated food that Enterprise is able to provide, but he seems just fucking pleased as punch with this. <laughs> He's fucking into it for sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, Jordy wakes up from a nightmare and calls O'Brien, but he doesn't have anything to say to him. So I guess he woke him up for nothing. Poor O'Brien. He's got such a hard life on Enterprise. He does not. I assume that at no point does anyone tell O'Brien why Jordy was fucking with him. (laughs) No, why scare him? No reason to scare the guy. O'Brien was just like talking to Keiko like, I don't know what I did. I must have done something. (laughs) When he called me in the middle of the night, I was really afraid he was going to have me go get a brain scan again. I just, (laughs) I was really worried about it. I'm just trying to keep a low profile until my transfer request goes through. (laughs) apparently there's going to be this new station that's coming online pretty soon i hope i get transferred it's way out in the middle of nowhere nothing's gonna happen you're gonna love it i promise um stan jordy goes to see dr crusher about his insomnia she finds a slight dilation in the blood vessels of his visual cortex but that ain't shit she gives him a white noise machine or something right this scene was not necessary kel and vog beam back up and picard takes them to the cargo bay at this point, Data discovers that the E-Ban transmissions were coming from inside the ship the first and third times, and the planet surface the second time. Mm. He discovers that the signal that's being sent matches a human brainwave pattern. 
helpfully asks the computer like a fucking TOS computer. He asks it, now, what kind of equipment would you need to receive this? And it, the computer basically says, Jordy's visor. Only Jordy's visor would qualify in the entire known galaxy. So, uh, oh, this, sorry, we're cut, we're doing a bunch of cut back and forth because at this point, Jordy pockets a phaser. Mm-hmm. Uh, Data scans the shuttle. Jordy came back on. Jordy fish eyes his way to the cargo bay. Data discovers that the shuttle had been put in a tractor beam. Uh, Jordy locks on to Vogue Predator style, but all of a sudden dumpy old O'Brien shows up and needs help with something. <laughs> so he gets a few more seconds. Data discovers that the shuttle memory chips have Romulan replication patterns. Yikes. Jordy locks on again. He doesn't answer when Data calls to him. Data orders Worf to arrest LaForge. Doesn't make any sense to Worf, but he tries anyway, and the Klingons get in his way, so all he can do is shout LaForge. But that's enough for Picard. He uh, just points Jordy's weird phaser arm up, and he just blasts the ceiling. I guess it wasn't on 16. No, because we don't see any cool sparks or anything come flying down. He just... Uh, he only has phaser one. It probably doesn't even probably do that much. Probably only hits eight. Probably gets yeah, eight. it's like enough to kill a person, but it, it ain't gonna blow a hole in nothing. Yeah, it probably doesn't even have wide beam, I my guess. <laughs> uh... Data arrives just in time to explain what's been going on. He knows that it can only have been Captain Picard or Ambassador Kell who gave Jordy his instructions. When you say he arrives in time, do you mean he arrives like in a Poirot episode, mid like, uh-huh. right after Picard says that he can't explain it, and then he's like, "But I can." <laughs> yeah, Data did not like fucking Jedi run to get down there no. when it was clear no, that Worf was, was not taking his call seriously. He just fucking walk. slow walked down there. Yep. And for the, by the way, for the same reason that everyone walks in uh, the prequels too, they only had 10 feet of corridor, so. That's right. Can't use it up. There's only one scene where Worf runs in that corridor, and that's it. Just that Rogadanar episode. And I was so yeah. impressed when I saw him sprint. I was like, damn, they let him run. Well, Kel won't submit to a search on the Enterprise, uh, but Vogue says, yeah, that's fine. We'll search you on our ship. And Kel suddenly requests asylum, so. We know who. Yeah, well, we know because we saw it, but now everyone knows. I love how Vogue uh, doesn't even look at Picard when Data says either Picard or Cal. <laughs> no, he <laughs> knows it's Cal right away. He knows Picard somehow. Picard did something with his swears earlier when he swore at him. The Vogue's like, no, 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 this guy's legit. This guy's 100%. No, 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 this guy's on the level. It's got to be Cal. This guy's a real one, and I recognize a real one, and it's definitely <laughs> this old fuck. Yeah, Vogue, like, immediately fucking looks at Cal. <laughs> um... Of course, uh, Kel does not get asylum. Picard no. says he'll grant him asylum once he's been cleared uh, in the investigation. Picard knows. Since he knows he didn't send Jordy the messages. Picard knows the guy's going to get fucking incinerated <laughs> or something, right? Yeah, he knows this guy's going to be dead in a minute. Okay. Uh, Jordy is in therapy with Troy, insisting that he remembers Risa, but she, like, tricks him into remembering the Romulan ship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then she tells him it'll take time, but she's confident they'll be able to reconstruct his memory. Um, I don't know what she did in college, but she seems like she's got a fucking plan of action for this brainwashing scenario. Uh, she just fucking uh, future binged McCoy's remedies for memory. Yeah, her stuff. fucking thesis was on the Manchurian candidate. So <laughs> she's, she knows all about this. Yeah. what's this episode about matt ben says human minds are weak and can be influenced manchurian candidate a week ago i would have given this fewer points but we know brainwashing is real he says (laughs) so 
He gave it a six. <laughs> All right. Um, <sighs> hey, I'm going to be honest here. I've no-taked it. <laughs> I couldn't figure it out. I was just like, I don't know. The Romulans are shit disturbers. <clears throat> I don't know. Like, they did uh, a plot. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that information that the Romulans did a plot. I didn't think uh-huh. it was about anything. Uh, it was in the finest tradition of Star Trek, Matthew. This episode was, hey, the Manchurian candidate was pretty cool. Huh? Yeah, I think that's literally exactly it. It's all plot. It's, it's, I mean, that's what all the producers say it was. Mm-hmm. It's all plot. I didn't hate watching it. I thought it was entertaining in its own way. And I, at the end, I went, I have no idea what this is trying to say. Other than people are going to be out there disturbing your shit on Maine. So, <laughs> yeah, I gave it a zero. What about you? Um, the cynical take away from this episode is do your police work, even if it involves your friends. Since Jordy keeps telling everyone who will listen to him that he has no alibi I for know. the transporter. Worf thinks he's done a, his duty at that point when he asks. Yes. And when Jordy replies, I, I ain't got no alibi. So there, someone on the ship is not what they see. Worf's like, well, I know Jordy didn't do it. So, uh-huh. and then Jordy tells, again, like you said, after that, again, Jordy tells, I don't know, Picard or Kel or somebody, like, eh, I'm the only one without an alibi. And no one goes, well, well I guess we'll have to look into that then. Not that even Usually, necessarily they should be blamed for that. Like, they know Jordy ain't a saboteur or whatever. Or a, right. A, a, a rebel-aiding fucking dude. Yeah, like, but, he, Jordy gives a shit about the Creosian right. rebels. But it is true that he's like, nah, I ain't got no alibi. He says it multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> um, usually I write the cynical take when I'm mad at how bad the Star Trek writers are. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I'll replace it with something else. But I don't know what I would replace it with. Yeah, It's just the Manchurian Candidate in space. I'm not sure the Manchurian. I read about the Manchurian Candidate extensively to see if it had a take. <laughs> and I don't think it does. I've seen both versions. I've seen... The original and the remake with uh, with Denzel, and I think yeah, I know. I mean, I certainly can't remember what it was trying to say beyond There's, watch out. Maybe there is something in there about how the vehement anti-communist lawmakers are perfectly willing to work with the communists to attain personal power. Okay, political. I don't think episode. that element got copied over to this. We nope. never learned anything about Kell or his motives. Nope. No, so, it, the twist happens with him where we learn it's him like thirty-five minutes in. Yeah, it's not like people getting in bed with the enemy to attain their own ends. That, uh, yeah, because we don't. If anything, Kel is pretty uh, on front street about not thinking that Worf is a bad guy for maybe associating with Romulans. Yeah, that's true. I, so the cynical takes worth a one to me. Do your damn police work. Yes. Da- it, if Data was the ship head of ship security, he would have figured out it was Jordy ten hours earlier. Yeah, and Franker had stopped wasting his time. Well, that also. <laughs> but he like would have asked the computer if Jordy was in his yep. room all night. He would have been like, was which he is really in his I court. think all it would have taken. Yeah, if Worf had just done that right in front of everyone, then when it would have reported that he wasn't in his quarters, he would have been like, Well, where was he? And they would have said Cargo Bay, whatever, and they would have gone, Uh oh. Okay. <laughs> I guess we have to take Jordy, we're in, gonna buddy. have a little talk. Yeah. All right, well, so we kind of agreed. Not about much. Uh, how did it do? Um, the thriller element depends on the extent to which you believe brainwashing is really possible. Yeah. Uh, when It's something which most current thinking suggests is not the case. Sure. 
I think that there was a more interesting episode here if they'd focused on Jordy solving the case and realizing that he did it and like piecing it together and coming to terms with that idea than to try to gin up suspense by having Data investigate the shuttle while cutting back and forth to fisheye Jordy. Yeah. Um, what else do I have to say about this episode? Jordy sitting in that Type 15 at the top doesn't make a lot of sense. I definitely would not take that ship to another planet. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, just a little box. It doesn't. He's seem... had one of the chairs taken out so he could stretch his legs. Yep. Uh, but it's a good shot when the Warbird pops in. Over his shoulder? Yeah. Yeah, and obviously Jordy's the right character for this, and O'Brien's the right Patsy, and Data's the right detective. It's mostly fine, but it's not a great sign that I immediately thought of a better episode that was lurking within it, so I gave it a four. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, ben was a five. Uh, good switch that the ambassador is in on the plot. Like I said, like 35 minutes in, we learn it's Kel in case you hadn't figured it out. There are two guest characters, not counting the Romulans. <laughs> we know the Romulans right. are in on it. There are two other Klingons. It's either Vogue or Kel, because it ain't... We know Jordy's being controlled. Well, it could be Denise Crosby's stunt double. <laughs> Photo double. Hey, okay, so when I heard the voice... It's Denise Crosby's I voice. went, okay, in my memory, this was Denise Crosby's voice, and it still sounds like her voice, but that's not her. Right, yeah. Unfortunately, in the HD remaster, you can see the woman in the shadows, which you could not. Mm-hmm. So, you before, you were like, oh... They're teasing. We won't. We'll see in a couple episodes. But right now, they're teasing Sela. Like it, when you if on first air, you probably wouldn't even have connected it. No, because you'd have to really be looking for Yar's voice. No, this is only once you've seen it after you watch Redemption, mm-hmm. which is coming right? up. Which is soon. two episodes from now. Yeah. Then you'd go back and you'd be like, "Oh shit! They like gave us some crumbs." That does, Star Trek doesn't do that. Right. Um, but, but unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> the HD remaster gives it away because you can hella see the woman in there and it ain't Denise Crosby. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. Uh, it seems like they hadn't even figured out that Denise Crosby was going to be wearing a blonde wig yet. Nope, because that lady is not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway, and then he says Jordy Vision's kind of fun. This is the second time we've seen stuff through Jordy's eyes. It seems like he's cleared up his shit a little bit. Second? Isn't it the second time? Uh, we saw the we one saw through his eyes in the one with in Heart of Glory. the Badgeress, and then yeah. this time, right? Isn't this the second one? But it's just the second? Yeah, because I remember when we watched... Does he ever look at Data? I don't think he does. No, I don't think we ever one. get to see if Data has his aura. When we watched that episode... Wait, does he not have an aura? No, he does have one because he's an he android. He does have an aura because he's an android. Obviously. That's the some of the best writing in season one. And when that episode happened... Like, why does Data have that aura? And he's like, because he's an android. Uh, he's an android. I mean, what are you talking about? <laughs> And then Picard, it's the only one I've ever seen. I assumed that was why. It's a strange scene where we get a lot of it, and Picard is just like geeking out over the whole thing. Oh, he's so excited about it. And at the time, I this asked, is the last time he cared about Jordy. At the time, I asked, "Are we ever going to see through his eyes again?" And then so I forgot so about yeah. this one. Yeah, there's this, and there's generations for sure. Oh, when he's looking for a, a hiding Zephram Cochran, when his vision is much better. Um, uh, well, no, also when they bring down the shields, right? Uh, when Lursa and Betor. Oh, wait. you're right. We do see. No, that's a camera that they planted, maybe? Or maybe it is his vision. No, I think it's his visor. Oh. I think they kidnap him. That's hell. Isn't that up. where he's all buff? Uh, I don't know. Was he buff? I don't know. I know he's kind of shirtless anyway. on that one. Anyway, by that time, his vision is extremely clear. So it's a, mu- yeah. a much, like a way better version than the one we get in this episode. And then in the 
next movie in First Contact when he's looking for a hiding Zevran Cochran. It's hella clear and he's got crazy zooms and stuff. <laughs> so it's even better. Um, in this one, it's still better than season one, which was... We had to ask questions like, how does he read anything? Like, how does anything <laughs> it's work? It's still an interesting question. How does he how look does at he these read? fucking panels that are just light yep. on other... Just light coming through? Like, can he see that shit? Like, what do we even... Um, in this one, at least, it seems like he might be able to read. But, um, but yeah. So, anyway, that, um, so Ben gave it a five on execution. For me, I agreed it was a four with you. Um, the, to me, the Romulan decloak over his shoulder kind of looked like some bad clip art or something. <laughs> well, it clearly had been sharpened in the HD remaster. Yeah. Like, the effect is fine, but I feel like it kind of shimmies during the effect. Oh, Robin ships always shimmy when they decloak. Like it move, like it, like like if you had your mouse on it and you went whoop, <laughs> you just, mo- <laughs> oh, and you okay, just maybe. moved it like a quarter inch over his shoulder. And went, oh, <laughs> um, I can't give them a ton of credit for this, but it's an interesting chapter in the Klingons working with Romulans series right. that leads to the big Klingon civil war cliffhanger. I don't know how much of that they already had planned is why I, I don't know what points to give. I guess that maybe Sela's in it. Maybe they did have a lot of stuff planned. Yeah. Um, but anyway, because this is not the first we've seen of it, I assume if they had ever done the investigation on Jadan, we would have learned that he was working with Romulans. Right? Yeah. That was the working theory, right? Because we've seen the Duras stuff. Yes. We saw the Jadan stuff, which we weren't sure who he was working with, and we've seen this stuff where Kel's working with them, and then in a couple episodes, we're going to have the Duras sisters. You're actually right, though. I think all of the Romulan stuff about Jadan happened after they discovered Simon Tarse's lie. Mm-hmm. So may, that could have just been a red herring. Like, Jadan could have just been feeding that information to the Klingons, for all we know. Yeah, we don't know. If they had investigated, I wonder if we were intended to think he was working with the Romulans, so it, too, is part of this ongoing series of... Of those two dudes working together. Um, well, that got buried because Picard knew how to make that woman lose her mind. <laughs> he said the magic words and she uh, incinerated in front of everybody in the courtroom. Um, Admiral Thomas Henry just uh, stood up and walked out. Yep. Didn't say dick. Never got a line. <laughs> uh, it's tough, man. I think I still gave him best actor. This is an episode about nothing, but it's kind of interesting to watch, and it fits in with things we've been learning a lot the past two seasons, and it, you know, it wasn't that bad to watch, so I had to give it that four. Um, World building, uh, Ben's a four. The Klingon ambassador says the Federation and the Empire have an alliance, so they're allies, but they're not, the Klingons aren't part of the Federation, which again, was very confusing when Wesley asked about it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is before the Klingons joined the Federation, right? And Picard goes, uh-huh. Uh, uh, technically, he wasn't lying, although why Picard would choose to say that is another question. Yeah. Um, He says he forgot the Romulans put a double on Risa in place of Geordi. We already talked about that dude. Uh, how could they ever rely on Geordi again? Like, <laughs> is he actually cleared of wrongdoing? Like, he'd be in a psych ward forever even if he was cleared of, of wrongdoing is what he's saying. No, dude, Troy's going to take him into a room and ask him a few questions, and by next week he'll be totally fine. Someone will erase his memory of Ben Vereen, and it'll be over. <laughs> That's right. So when he calls him in a couple of seasons and tell him his mom's missing, he's like, who the fuck is this guy? Um, I was a four. So 
a Klingon colony in the Creosian system. It's uh, aiming for independence. The Federation's accused of aiding the rebels. Um, this dude says Creos is the only colony on the border of Federation space. Yeah, what can that possibly mean? I don't know how he is defining that. Uh, the Romulan brainwashing techniques. They apparently have outstanding intelligence about Enterprise. I don't know if they got it from the shuttle or what. But they know Dumpy O'Brien. Oh, I mean, how the fuck did they know that Jordy was going to be on that shuttle? I, yes, they they are clearly hey, looking out. He, hey, he's somewhere in Federation space close to Risa. <laughs> yeah. And the Romulus just fucking popped up there. Well, talk about... That's a deep infiltration mission. A continuing series. This is... I don't know if it's the first one or if it's continuing in a long series of episodes that says, do not leave your post to go to a conference, a seminar, or anything else. You <laughs> yeah, he will doesn't know about that yet. eat shit for sure. Do not leave the mothership. <laughs> Um. Uh, well, Data went to one and built LOL. That ended pretty bad. Not bad, but at least I mean, it was he good for us. But it was bad for Data. At least he wasn't kidnapped. Um. Uh, the Klingons really respect swearing. Yeah, so much. When Picard swears at Vog, Vog is fuck fully torqued. And then later on, like we said, when they're like, it's going to only be Keller Picard. For some reason, he turns <laughs> right to his countryman and goes, it's this fucking guy. <laughs> I already didn't like him. Yeah. Uh, the whole plot to mess up the Klingon Federation alliance, which nearly succeeds. There's a lot of Maybe that going Kel's on. Maybe Kel's been saying a lot of Stephen Root stuff down there on the planet that we didn't see about Romulan women. <laughs> and uh, the Vogue's like, this son of a bitch. <laughs> um... There's a lot of stuff this week because in the DS9 episode, there's a lot of trying to break up the Klingons in the Federation that nearly succeeds. Yeah. Um, Romulans use more efficient crystals? They got better crystals. Let me check that again. Yeah, crystals. They use better crystals. <laughs> yep. The, the emitter crystal specifically. The whole thing about tracing energy to transporters and replicators and shit to determine their usage. A somnetic inducer to help you sleep, like you said. That was the uh, the white noisemaker she gave him. Uh, there's enough. We never see him use it. That scene is nothing. Yes, he just he is given it, and you know, honestly, I don't even know what shit he's going to remember from this and what shit he isn't. Maybe he won't even remember that that <laughs> happened. He's going to walk into his quarters and see that thing and be like, "What was I up to, though? Why is there whale sounds in here? What is this dildo? What's happening?" Um. Yeah, four for me for all the political stuff i guess one thing he will never forget is his embarrassment with leah brahms <laughs> no if only the romulans could have wiped that out uh jordy can't ignore his neural implants Krios is the only Klingon colony on the federation border what can that mean terahertz power frequencies somatic inducers e-band transmitters kel thinks he can request asylum yeah uh, for a crime he has perpetrated against the federation yeah. somehow <laughs> he's heard that they're very <laughs> forgiving and he's an envoy from the Klingon High Council, but it seems like Vogue as governor has the power to detain and investigate him. Big question, is this the same Krios as in The Perfect Mate? I mean, if it is, the Klingon connection is never mentioned in that episode. Yeah. So, I'm going to guess no. I'm going to say two Krioses. Two Krioses, it was my theory also. Hodgkin's the Law, dude. Memory Alpha says it's one planet. 
What? Though there is a lot of controversy about it. Yeah, I think this is the parallel Earths, but it's just about Krios. Yeah, probably. It's Vault's law. Oh, no, wait, no, it's uh, Ulrich's law of parallel planetary development. It's Ulrich's law of parallel vaults. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a three for me. I don't. I do not understand what the statement about it being the only colony that really b- bothered mm-hmm. me. That statement bothered me he, a lot. He def- he must have defined that in some way off screen that we didn't understand. Is it like? Is it pretty near the Federation Romulan neutral zone? Is that what he means? Or does he just mean it's the only one within one light year of the border or something? Yeah, like. Did they define the borders with a big neutral zone also that nobody talks about because relations have thawed quite a bit? Does the neutral zone border go right through that system? I don't know. Yeah, what does it mean? Yeah, hard to say. For characterization, mm-hmm. uh, Ben is a three. Yeah. Jordy knows how to get down with a vacation. Picard knows good gutter Klingon. Yeah, he He's does. unimpressed with the governor. Jordy's got red PJs. Data's a good detective. It's a good portrayal of how a robot should act. Oh, I guess. I didn't see him uh, dancing or uh, jumping really high or anything. For me, <laughs> I would like to see that. That's all I know about robots from our time. <laughs> they do jump very high. <laughs> and you can't, can't kick them over. No. Um, Jordy can't be alone with his thoughts for like even 20 minutes. He has to make the computer play games with them and keep saying, Alexa, skip. <laughs> Um, but I thought his scene at the end was pretty good, mm-hmm. uh, with Troy as a reminder that he has maybe the second best acting chops on this show. Well, we'll revisit the actor rankings. using them after season one. Yes. We'll revisit <laughs> the actor rankings and see where he lands. Well, they have not given him a lot of good work to do. No, even the ones that are about him, he, I mean, they're like Leo Brahms episodes and you're like, oh no. Yeah. Picard's playing this one like full diplomat mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, he really thinks the uh, the Klingon Federation Alliance is pretty fucking fragile. It does later turn out to be pretty fucking fragile. <laughs> yes. They ran out of things for Riker to do, so he's helping Data with a highly technical investigation, <laughs> which must be frustrating for everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, Worf is a real sucker. This guy, Kel, butters him up like Nora Sati's aide. He misses all the hints about Jordy's alibi. And he really super hesitates in Cargo Bay 4, almost costing Vogue his life. Yes. But Matthew, what I really want to talk about in characterization is Troy. Uh-oh, okay. Are we supposed to think she's happy for her friend Jordy? Or did she follow him all the way to his quarters and pester him because she loves hearing about it? She just wants to know all about it. She cannot get enough details. About his stupid Risa vacation? About whether he banged down there specifically. Well, if she can read his mind, and I guess every time she... She cannot. She can only feel things. You know what I mean. She can read his emotions, and I guess every time that she was trying to hint at sex stuff, and he clearly understood what she was trying to hint at, like, (laughs) she could sense that, and it was was probably frustrating her that he wouldn't just come out and say it. She really fucking drives at it like she wants to know about positions. Well, remember she was like this when Picard went back to his village. And she never okay. explained what that was about either. She was just like, uh-huh, and you're going where? And he's like, I'm going to my home where I grew up, my house. Oh, uh, interesting. Why uh, Why do you think that is? Interesting. Well, I mean, I live. I lived uh, there. back on Earth. And um, my family's there. And that's where I, I, thought I grew maybe up. Maybe I'd see my family. And she's like, mm, okay, well. 
That's one way to do it. <laughs> so, like she thinks he should have gone to the experiment rhino or something. She thinks he should have gone to Risa, I think. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Troy's super horniness is an interesting character choice that the writers have made for her here. Mm. Um, otherwise, it's, you know, it's fine. It's a five. Yeah, I agreed. It's a five. Um, Jordy wears his uniform on the way to this seminar slash vacation. Uh, he heard about the sex planet and he had to check it out. <laughs> yep. Uh, will there be fallout for him in the coming weeks? You know, from his kidnapping, torture, use as a political pawn. I'm betting no. Well, next week we're just going to see uh, Data Data's sitcom, just like we've seen Schmollis' sitcom already. Yes. But Data's is real and involves the feelings of a real person. Like, Star Trek is... This is where Star Trek's maybe worst. Jordy has been through something extremely traumatic, and the last scene hints at it. He is in utter confusion. He cannot understand what has happened to his life. But they will, I guarantee you, never mention it again. The only show that would is Enterprise, and unfortunately, they would do it badly. That's right. Um, I was worried early on that Worf was going to allow himself to be buttered up real easy again, like in the drumhead (laughs) by Kel. He does his duty, he thinks, and asks for alibis. Jordy doesn't provide one, but Worf is like, well, it ain't Jordy, so who the fuck knows? <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> and you're right, he does kind of slow walk his way over to save. To Data s- fucking calls him up, says War- Data to Worf, priority one. Yeah. Data, uh, Worf's on I a need ladder. You, to take, please, you have to take Jordy into custody. And he goes, what? And just stops, stops climbing says, the ladder. That's an order. He says, that's an order. Then he goes down the ladder, can't get, the Klingon guards misread his intentions, mm-hmm. he can't get past them, and then only at the last second does he think to use his mouth. Mm-hmm. He doesn't say, say I need to apprehend somebody, or watch out, the governor's in danger, or anything. Yep. He just wrestles with the two Klingons. Uh, it's, it's super clear that he did not understand yes. Data's order. He did not know why. Even though he says priority one, he does not understand that it is an imminent danger. Yeah. Um, he's bad at this fucking job, just like he's bad at all of his jobs on Deep Space Nine. Not his best uh, episode, for sure. Um, we've been fairly data-free for a few episodes, so when he had to do the whole... A joke? Ah, forced to endure rise up, blah, 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 blah. I almost threw up. <laughs> it's tough, huh? But at least he saved the day in this one, so I guess he sort of gets a pass. <laughs> and he had to deal with Riker the whole time. And we didn't have to see any fucking weird moralizing where he was like, but Jordy couldn't be the bad guy. He's my but... best friend. And when he rolled up in there, he said, could be Picard, could be Cal. <laughs> yeah. Um, He's learned the lesson of the episode. Unlike Worf. Yeah. Maybe Data should switch to be security chief and Worf can actually sit in that chair and do ops. Um, And be real hunched over because he knows it's actually a demotion. Because he knows it's a demotion, plus he's got that scar that he doesn't want to show He knows it's not because Data wasn't good at ops. When I sit over here, everyone can see my scar, and then they ask me about (laughs) it, and then I buffer. I don't know the answer. (laughs) Um, Man, this show, seriously, most of my enjoyment comes from Riker, and this week was no different. He's (laughs) barely in any of the episodes, and he gives me so much joy. Riker shows off everything he knows about E-band signals, and then fucking Data shuts him down hard. 
in the first the first time they do it and then later Riker again brings up the protostar idea i think he says something like well i guess it's not a protostar and data is very polite and doesn't go yeah i fucking told you earlier it can't be a protostar <laughs> It's just like, go rewatch the first 10 episodes of this show where Riker is super sharp and on the ball all the time. And then, and then you got to be like, when that plant stung him in shades of gray, did, <laughs> did the flow of oxygen to his brain get cut off a little? He's in bad shape in that episode. Because they write him very dumb now. Yeah. And you're right. It they was, write him dumb and they have other characters joke that he's dumb. It was about that point too. Cause I think he's still supposed to be sharp in two and the show's just less about him. And then yeah. in season three, he's just Jonathan Frakes and you go, Oh, Oh, he became, he became the actor as most of these characters do. As, as Troy has done in the enterprise we just watched. Yep. Uh, O'Brien's first instinct is to hit Jordy for sure, but then he remembers he's the lowest ranking crewman on the ship. So he walks out of 10 feesy like a wet bitch. <laughs> um, Picard handles the Klingons. Well. And listen, I don't, this is not a stereotype about the Irish. This is about the character of yes, O'Brien yes. for sure. But I think he probably hits Keiko when he gets back to his quarters. <laughs> could be. They shouldn't she tries to serve him some seaweed or something, and he just just gives her one sharp backhand, and then then he you know then it's a lot of I'm so sorry I'll never do it again. I uh-huh. don't know what's going I'll, on. I'll me. see I'll so see Counselor Troy. I promise. I'll go see Counselor Troy. We'll do whatever we have to do to make this work. Um, I'm not lying. Like when we're done with this whole project, when we've watched all of the episodes, the biggest takeaway may be that those two should not have gotten married. <laughs> that might be the overriding lesson from all of the Star Treks is that O'Brien and Keiko should not have gotten married. They almost didn't. They uh, that, tried not to. That may be the take of the whole of the next generation in Deep Space Nine put together as one show is if you have cold feet on your wedding day, maybe That's, think about it. Yeah. Maybe listen to that instinct for a second. If you're so afraid to tell your fiance that you don't think you should get married, you send a robot to go do it. Maybe that means something. Maybe, maybe listen to your instincts. Yeah. Uh, Picard handles the Klingons well, but is very much not a part of the investigation, so he just keeps making surprised faces the whole episode. <laughs> he doesn't know what's happening. He can't understand any of it. That's his role See, in this. The problem is, Picard thinks Worf is on the ball. Yes. He, Worf made him his chadich, and you know that Picard is a fucking old boy network. Oh, yeah. And he's like, this dude made me basically his best man slash gave me power of attorney. Mm-hmm. Uh, he trusted me to uh, gank a bunch of cool Klingons in a dirt city. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and so my opinion of him is that he's real good at his job. And I kind of, I don't think about whether that's actually true. I never consult the outcomes. And you can tell because he keeps showing up in all the movies. He keeps randomly showing up and all the other <laughs> crew members are clearly annoyed and it doesn't matter. Picard's just like, nope, that's my guy. It was like Lieutenant Hawk or whoever's like top of his class at the academy. Yeah. And Picard's like, bring Worf aboard. Like, what the fuck? It's right. And then everyone just goes, don't worry. I've been reading the logs. That guy's not good at his job. He'll be gone in a few weeks. Don't worry. Everyone's got their guys, you know, like it's not personal. <laughs> You're just not one of his guys. You'll catch on somewhere. Um. So, yeah, it was a five for me. It's like Picard's, listen, Picard's right on about the big picture stuff. Like, yes. 
he's you know like he's living he's the federation we want to be in so but there is you know like he grew up in a certain time and in a certain context (laughs) and uh that's right you know some of the some of the things he says are and does does are going to be a little bit problematic and it is you know like you kind of you take the good with the bad i know know what i'm saying i know the boss makes the job like i get it i know the boss makes the job but his heart's in the right place and he he's got a like he's he's got a lot of power within starfleet so yeah, Pros- you know, you kind of just you, you know, everyone wants to work for a Jellico, but Jellico doesn't have this kind of. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, right. Nechev likes him, but she's a big piece of shit. So, like, that's a whole thing. That's right. Pros and cons, man. I keep telling you, pros and cons. Um, yeah, justify for me. There were uh, not so great. Wharf Picard's not so great, uh, but um, I think the rest of it was fine. Give me the quick hitters. I just said, even in the future, all black guys are the same, right? Or on Risa, well, they are. I don't know. Um, when Governor What's His Name gets all mad and says conversation is a waste of time and the rebels must be crushed at once, Marjan yelled, "Yeah, I know." <laughs> Guess which rebels Marjan was talking about? <laughs> well, was, I don't think she was talking about the Creosian ones. Uh, we watched this at a certain point in time. <sighs> It's been a week. Uh, everyone just look it's at been the a date. Rough week. Everyone look at the date of this episode if you're listening to this well into the future and you will know. Um, that's right. And and maybe think about when the date of the first capital insurrection was. <laughs> that's right. Exactly right. The first, what we call the prelude now in the future. Um <laughs> uh, Klingon dinners are weird, huh? The cup that Kel is drinking out of is bigger than the pitcher that he's pouring from. <laughs> it doesn't make a lot of sense, does it's it? It's fucking wild. How would that work? Ah, good. Well, the pitcher will fill up a third of my cup. The pitcher, it's like, the pitcher is like when you get an old-fashioned milkshake, mm. and the most most of the milkshake is in the initial glass, but they do give you the little metal cup with the rest of the milkshake in it. That's true, they do. I love that cold metal cup. Yep, that's what that that's what that pitcher is. It's not that... It's not that that's how we poured that first glass, it's that's to top up that glass. Okay, that makes more sense. Um... Kel says, I didn't see any Romulans. He he was acting very much alone. Everything is very cool and very legal. No collusion. Yep. Again, everyone just just remember what what point in time. (laughs) That's right. We were watching this. It was a uh, was a perfect E-band communication. (laughs) That's right. It was the best the best you ever seen. Um, I love how Vogue again. We already talked about it three times. How Vogue knows Picard isn't the guy because he swears so good. (laughs) Uh, what about you? Uh, so first of all, the computer is lame. All it knows are dumb edu games. And then it doesn't even warn you when a warbird pulls up. No, it didn't get out of that game at all. It it just hung there. No, it was like, name the five quantum states of matter. And Jordy's like, okay, I actually kind of wanted to play 20 questions. Can we do that? The problem was he had notifications off. Something should have pinged or something. Uh, I mean, why? How come there's not? Do you remember... Do you remember in Farpoint when the automated intruder alert goes off? Yeah, your perimeter alert, sir. Perimeter alert? Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, that doesn't happen on that Type 15 <laughs> shuttle pod. No. Hey, uh, this shadow lady's way out of sync in HD. Um, yeah, I didn't know you could see her mouth until I watched it this time. Exactly, yeah. I think they flubbed this remaster. They just, they should put her more in the shadows if they, you know, take another cut at it. Yeah, if you guys want to make a remaster of the remaster, you can just, like, yeah. maybe don't zoom in on her at all. Yeah, exactly. Uh, let's talk about Phaser 1. Okay. 
Why does the Federation make an anus-sized phaser to begin with? It's so tiny, it seems. I showed you the medical tricorder Marjan had for her costume and how tiny Uh, it was. That's like what they did with (laughs) phaser one, but in the show. It's a preposterously small version of a phaser. It's like, what is the, in-universe, is it because they don't want their officers to appear to be armed? They just want them to be secretly packing? That's right. Yeah, they'll still appear peaceful. stick it in their little obi. Or just fucking hold it all day like Jordy was doing. Yeah. Uh, it just seems like a useless little thing. Mm-hmm. Um, as always, how did the Universal Translator know that Picard wanted to swear in Klingon? Uh, third rail questions. Uh, there are going to be more from, from Ben in the Voyager episode. <laughs> okay, good. Cool. Well, the Voyager episode oh, is maybe it's the DS Nine episode. It might be all of its own. Okay, yeah, I think yeah. the DS Nine episode he asks that exact question about Klingon stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, Governor Vogue in his office appeared to have two actual crossed rods or maces behind him, actual fasces, an actual symbol of authority. Yep. So, uh, I'm sure that was just some fun set decoration that they did, like the cool eagles in uh, Too Short a Season. I'll never get over that office. That's the office. Someday, <laughs> when I really have the power to do whatever I want with my own office, it's going to look just like that. Oh, just a bunch of phaser props on the walls? Of, yes. And then the big pair of eagles that are looking at you what when the, you... Uh, what are the fake guns? Like, oh, I got them from Jameson. Who's Jameson? <laughs> don't worry about it. Don't, don't worry about it. Um, so anyway, I don't know if the Klingons are supposed to be fascists. They don't seem to act. I mean, I know this guy's suppressing a rebellion, but they don't seem to act that different. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, hey, Jordy, in case you ever do any cool murders, don't like immediately call the victim's phone a bunch of times afterwards. (laughs) The cops are going to figure that one out. (laughs) Like, I assume he woke up from a nightmare where he killed O'Brien and immediately got on the horn to see if O'Brien was still alive. (laughs) Even Worf's going to pick up on that one, bud. Yeah. I mean, he's not, because Worf never for a minute could believe that his pal Jordy. No, would, they were junior about, officers together. With with whom he talks about, uh, you know, dignitaries' legs and whether they're nice. Oh, yeah. For a human. For a human uh, would do a murder. Yeah. He had to make it racist at the end. It wasn't just sexist. Yeah. Also, sexist. Worf, does priority one not mean anything to you? Does it mean stop on the ladder <laughs> and ask, wait, what? <laughs> it's true. Well... You know, he just learned what Starfleet taught him, which is just slow walk everything. And again, we talked about it. Data slow walking while he's giving the priority one. Yeah. And uh, finally, uh, at the end, Vogue asks, why would the Romulans want to assassinate me? Did this dude sleep through the phaser briefing or is he just slow? <laughs> he's. They've asked this question before. Why would the Romulans give a shit about this colony? He's a real Riker in this scene. Yeah, he is kind of there, Riker. Looks like some kind of probe. It's surprising that Riker didn't call up a hologram of Vogue solving a problem later when he had trouble with the Pegasus. Because <laughs> he clearly should identify, he would identify with, with them, yes. Ah, so this is uh, what Vogue did in this situation. Best actor, uh, Jordy fucking remembers he was on Risa, yeah. but I guess he actually didn't get laid at all. That's probably the saddest part for sure. Worst actor, the proud Romulan brainwasher. Oh, that that dude is so proud. He is really um, relishing. Observe his how great I job. push this button and then this button. See how I did that? Mm. Let's see what's in the shadows. 
And he keeps saying stuff like, ah, you see, he's, a, he's, uh, Jesus. Like the Borg do. Assimilating? No. Like when you shoot Adapting. your phasers at him. Adapting? Yeah, let's say he's, yeah, okay. Let's say he's adapted to, the, to this image, so now I'm going to change it to another horrible mm-hmm. image. He's so proud, but uh, not that's not good acting. And the seal is in the shadows going, but he'll, like, uh, he'll kill, right? I can't. Hey, none of us can see what's happening inside that guy's mind. You know that, is right? He just, is he going to kill? Will he kill for us? I don't really... <laughs> I got other places to be. Hey, I wield a, like a crazy amount of power that's in true. this empire for a half-human... Who's like 20. Uh, <laughs> descendant of a guy who kept some prisoners alive and married one. It's weird that I have any political power. Yes. It's odd that the Romulans trust me with anything, and also I'm very young, but... Uh, I got the places to be. So uh, kill. Yes. Can we yes, move it kill. along? Thumbs up. Just give me a thumbs up if we'll kill. Thank I know you. you're 80 and I'm 21. Can we move it along? Yeah. Um. <sighs> second place last week was Voyager. Oh, good. Okay. This week we watched In the Flesh. <laughs> In another instance this week of us not knowing yet in this project who this character is, but him being <laughs> in the episode, uh, we see groundskeeper Boothby doing some gardening on the Starfleet command grounds or maybe academy grounds. I think it's command. Uh, An admiral shouts out orders to a bunch of officers, and then we see Chaco, not so subtly, spying on all of them with scary music in the background. With one of those great 90s Polaroid cameras, but they've like... Uh, the biggest one ever? Just stuff to it. It's like yeah. the biggest fucking Polaroid of all time. <laughs> After the credits. It's like, a, it's like the first Sony Mavica digital camera that you could buy or something. It was so preposterously large, I laughed every time I saw it. It's the size of a big deli sandwich. <laughs> Boothby and Chaco uh, shoot the shit for a while, pose for a photo from the, again, the world's biggest camera I have written here. And then Chaco goes to, I guess, some mess hall. Uh, he meets a lady. They chat a bit. And then. That's supposed to be the fucking officer's club at Starfleet Academy. Oh. Slash maybe Starfleet headquarters. It's less clear if it's the same building. Yeah. Yeah, it was kind of sad and small. Um, anyway. There's a guy in there, and he has a reverting incident. He can't keep his shape, bro. It's hard to be a human shape. And the lady said this is his third time this week, and he's going to wash out if he doesn't improve. She talks about all her trouble pretending to be a human. And then Tuvok walks in, and Chaco tells him this mission is paying off. He says this in the room with all the people. Uh And he's learning more about these aliens who are pretending to be human. They're about to beam back to Voyager when they're caught by a security guard. Uh, they give him, like, a fucking neck pinch or whatever and abduct him. And in sickbay, the guy refuses to say who he is. Well, he just keeps identifying himself as whatever the fake name of this dude is. Uh, and when pressed, he fucking kills himself with toxins. Yeah, he bites down on a cyanide capsule or something we never see. Mm-hmm. The crew tries to figure out what they're dealing with. Uh, It's possible these people are planning an invasion of the Federation somehow. Uh, Like, it's not only possible, but what's the other explanation? Yeah, it seems like that's... For what's happening. (laughs) Maybe they're not... Maybe they're just play acting, you know? Maybe it's for kicks. Um, It's a weird play, though. Maybe they need some advice. 
and they're playing this program that Troy recommended. Oh, it could be. Troy probably recommended this one. To them. She said, have you talked to Boothby yet? He's supposed to be really helpful. Um, anyway, the doctor pulls a, you better get down here. And he tells him, he, this guy's definitely an alien, this corpse. And um, when he gives him the magic potion that turns him into his original form, he turns back into a species 8472. <laughs> yeah. An undyne. I don't know what we're calling them. Uh, yeah, that's what I call them. They decide they're gonna blow up the training facility now, because whatever the intentions are, they're not, they're not kosher. Um, but Chaco wants one more shot at this lady he was chatting up earlier, Valerie Archer. <laughs> yep. First, Janeway, like, fucking investigates Chaco and Tuvok and the whole crew to make sure that they haven't been infiltrated by any of these dudes. Uh, and I guess everyone's clean. The Doctor and Seven run some experiments on the dead Undyne. Again, this is not a name from the show. It's from the the online game, but it's easier than saying 8472 over and over again. Um, right. Chaco goes on his big date. He hits up the fucking nightclub. And TP and Harry have some time together in the shuttle waiting for Chaco to return. I thought that was going to mean something, but it, it did not. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, I, I was like, I said here, not sure why they're setting up all these different teams. I hope there's a payoff. Uh, there is not. It's, um, there, I mean, you, maybe you won't cover it, but there's a later point when Voyager rolls up and they're like, t- uh, TP is like, oh, permission to bring the shuttle in. And I was like, that's them fucking that, shapeshifters I on there. I thought the exact that's same thing. a fake thing. shuttle with them fucking shapeshifters on and there. And no one ever comments it on, not- on it again. Nothing happens. It's not. That would have been a waste of everyone's time, I guess. Uh, Chaco's invited back to this lady's quarters. Some banter. He nearly gives himself away a couple of times. Makes out with her. Turns out he has some Riker in him. And leaves. The lady analyzes his DNA, though, from the hot kiss. And calls (laughs) Boothby, who I guess is in charge of the aliens, to tell him... I actually fucking pulled his hair during that second kiss, by the way. Oh, maybe. I think she has some of his hair that she touched. Oh, well, you know, I looked away. I didn't want to look at it. I was yeah, like, hard to look right at it. Why is Chaco kissing Ellen Ty from Battlestar Galactica? Yeah, it's troubling. Um. Anyway, she tells Boothby Chaco's a human. She um she used her little portable DNA kit or whatever, and um and they they fucking capture the guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Janeway makes a crazy rambling speech about needing more nanoprobes. But then also, it's a wild one. <laughs> also, directives about like trying to find non-military solutions, <laughs> and she generally comes off as a total insano that Riker would bring together a meeting of the mutiny crew about. Oh, for sure, absolutely. But it's just regular old Janeway. So, uh, Boothby's the guy in charge. Like I said, he leads the the interrogation of Chaco, and Voyager shows up to rescue the dude. Um, the Delta Flyer rejoins Voyager right, right here. Question mark, question mark, question mark, because I assumed something was going to happen. Yeah, and Jane, that doesn't. Janeway prepares for a big fight. Uh, Chaco tries to use his connection with Valerie Archer, the Undyne alien, and Janeway tries to convince Boothby about their good intentions. Um, to prove she doesn't want to kill or invade them, she orders her weapons deactivated. Each side admits that they've been acting out of fear. In three minutes, they hammer out an information sharing agreement and I guess become best buddies and then go their separate ways after some more 
on-location scenes with Boothby and Janeway and Chaco and Valerie. Yeah. What was this one about? <sighs> uh, I mean, I guess that the message here is that someone has to be brave and take the first step to de-escalate. Mm-hmm. But it's pretty cluttered, and they have Schmullis give kind of an unexamined uh, TOS-style endorsement of standoff weapons yeah. in the middle of it. And then that doesn't become a thing. No one talks. Like, who's he talking to? Seven? Yeah. It doesn't come up later. It's in it this, doesn't matter. I think it's in the scene with Seven. Seven has a couple of scenes in this episode, and I couldn't figure out if she was supposed to be important in the episode. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so the message gets a little cluttered up by that, and it's fine. There's a problem here with putting this message in Janeway's mouth. Well, yeah. Uh, but that doesn't... I didn't think that hurt the take that, like, essentially, you, you have to be brave and take a sort of first step and de-escalate. Uh, I, so I gave it a five. Okay. But, like I said, it's not... They don't do good work on executing the take specifically. Yeah, I agree. Um, ben has it as a four. He says, talking it out really can work. You should try it sometime. Looking at you, Janeway. I mean, she just did, I guess. Uh, I was a six. Again, the take was not the problem with this episode. It's something like acting out of fear or constant subterfuge actually leads to war. Right. Chakotay says something like this, or he says George Bernard Shaw said it. I don't know. <laughs> it's, who fucking cares? It comes up again in their yeah, big... you're not wrong. In their big class reunion, it comes up again. People acting out of fear often find themselves in the middle of the trouble that they're afraid of. Uh, so yeah, let's just talk it out, people. I have no problem with this take, even if it is naive a little bit, and it's so unrealistic in the way it works out in this episode. I mean, it ha it happens. So we don't talk about the animated series, right? In in this project, um, but if you've watched it, it's like twenty one minute episodes. Eighteen minutes are set up, and then Kirk gives a speech, and the episode's over. Yep. And that's what happens here. It's crazy. Except that they waste two or three minutes that they could have used just having everyone like go down and walk the grounds and fucking. Yes. Like, on location, about the academy dude. and shit, and it's like... They were so excited to go outside. Yes. There are so many scenes shot outside, and most of them don't have anything to do with anything. Yes, exactly. Um, But you're not... Yeah, but, you, I mean, you're exactly right. Like, it wraps up so fast. Yeah, just wrapping around to execution. Uh, ben gave it a six. He okay. says Chaco's a spy. Oh, no, he was wrong about the whole. This is the one where he was writing in real time, and the whole time he's wrong about what's happening. Um, he says, "Okay, so it's species eight four seven two. After all, they need a better handle. That's why I've been calling him the Undyne." Yeah, he initially thought that what was happening here was Chakotay was a Maquis spy in the past. I mean, look, the show's that very we were seeing dumb. It's the possible. past when he was doing spy stuff, which frankly could have been. Uh, he says, I actually thought the reversals were okay once I stopped trying to theorize why a thing was happening. Yeah. that's. I mean, that's often how you have to do it with Star Trek. Yeah. Um, I was less rosy. I only have it as a three. So, 
Why would Janeway take Seven to this meeting with the 8472? They hate the Borg, and I mean, she obviously knows that. Well, yeah, the only thing I can think there is that Seven is Janeway's fucking pet project, and she's probably super proud about how she has redeemed a Borg or, you know, civilized one. Mm Mm-hmm. But, you know, like we made her cut her hair and put on Western clothing and exactly. taught her to speak English and she loves Jesus now and I'm real proud of what I've done. Yeah, but remember when that alien was on board and he's like, who's this? What's this? What's going on over here? And Tuvok was like, that's a Borg. We got a Borg <laughs> yep. on board. And it was like, that's our pet Borg. Why would you say that? These guys hate the Borg. They killed their whole society. Like these 8472 are so mad about their alliance with the Borg. So she brings one person with her to the meeting. She brings seven. <laughs> It's yeah. crazy. I mean, look, she shouldn't bring Harry Kim. She should just go alone, you know? Um, are we supposed to believe Chaco seduced this lady so good she's going to vouch for him in front of her colleagues like this? Like, if this is part of this ultra-fast wrap-up. The lady's like, no, listen to him. I believe him. Oh, he fucking vouches for her, too. Mm-hmm. It's, um... These two idiots actually fell in love. Yeah, it was a real TOS-style romance and resolution. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, even the take is pretty TOS, which is better than what Voyager usually comes up with. Um, and, yeah, for sure. Um, and the episode really builds up the conflict between 8472 and the Federation. Like, going in, like, in the beginning, it seems like the Federation is now the Undyne's arch enemy and not the Borg. And I'm confused by that because they met one human ship one time and then they the whole, left. I mean, yeah, the fucking whole story of this episode is that Voyager didn't know. Mm-hmm. That there was going to be a big war. Yeah. Like, they they somehow rolled up on this and were like, oh, whoops. <laughs> yep. Uh, first of all, it's the consequences of our actions, though nobody in this episode says that. No, because Janeway absolutely will not take any blame no. for anything that happens. <laughs> She's not responsible for this at all. Mm-hmm. They're like... You worked with the Borg to kill a lot of us? And she's like, we thought you were the bad guy, so what can I say? Over and over again this week, uh, CNN Breaking News gave me a headline about how Janeway refused to take any credit or any blame for what <laughs> happened at the Capitol last week. <laughs> yep. So, guys, it's January yeah, it's of 2021. That's when this is. Um... I don't know. It was all baffling. I already mentioned the scene earlier where she just wildly vacillates from give me more weapons. I need more weapons to like, but I I guess Starfleet told me one time I'm supposed to not shoot people. I can't get that out. I can't get that rule. General order 10 or whatever out of my mind. Yeah, you you shouldn't ever have gotten it out of your mind. You make war on everyone in the quadrant. You idiot. Um, yeah, just a three for me. The only reason it's that high is because at least people do the right thing in it, but like, woof. I'm in between you and Ben here. I'm at a four. Um, you know, just TV wise, I'm not sure we need to wait 15 minutes to see if Chakotay is undercover or something weirder is happening. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure we need to start this in media res. I agree. Like Voyager fucking loves to do this. We, uh, we started with the Hirogen having taken over the whole fucking ship already. And it was like t- two weeks into that. <laughs> yeah. We don't see anything about they discover this thing, their first images of the Starfleet Academy down there, figuring out how they're going to infiltrate. No, nah, a- because we got to spend a lot of time on the love story. And also they have to trick yeah. us at home. At home, yeah, we have to exactly. not be aware of what's happening or whatever. Uh, Slap and Boothby in this is obvious pandering, mm-hmm. but it's also very specific pandering. 
You had to have seen because it's like that if you didn't see the first duty, mm-hmm. you don't give a shit about Boothby. That's right. <laughs> so yeah, you know. Um, but at least he can act. Sure. Yeah, like a like a grumpy, you know I mean? grumpy old man. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Voyager runs across this situation, and they're like, "We're the only thing that can stop this," and not. We're the whole reason this problem exists. <laughs> It'd be great. It'd be so great if they said, hey, this is our bad. So we're just going to come to you with our hat in our hand and say, hey, look, we didn't mean to fuck with you before. Yeah. And also, of course, no one wants to see Chakotay on a date. Uh, but having said all that, this was you know, pretty middle of the road stuff. Neither bad nor good, really. Sure. Frankly, they have gone from routinely very bad to routinely pretty mediocre in terms of execution it is a step up <laughs> it's a step up and it's <sighs> are they gonna get seven more is my question but we'll see we'll see how this week goes to start with because yeah. at least they're not getting no take or anything yeah, you're not wrong i mean the last time they got a really bad score combined from us on execution was one in week 92 we each gave it a two so the oh, last yeah. few have been like you said middle of the road i mean we each gave it a uh, well, yeah, you, sure. If you go back one more, we each gave Demon a one. Yes, it was. <laughs> at least we finally saw it. That's what matters is that we finally <laughs> saw that great episode. <laughs> and Living Witness, I gave a one and you gave a zero yes. in terms of execution. So, so you go back five episodes, they were still really shitty. But okay, lately yeah, they've all been right. a You know better. what? I take it back. That was my feeling <laughs> yeah. based on the fact that uh, the five episodes we've watched since week 92 have been over like three months real time. Or yeah. <laughs> Maybe, you know, so, you know, but, uh, yeah. All right. I take it back. They still suck. Yeah. Um, in terms of world building, yeah. uh, Ben's a four, but again, he didn't really know what was happening at the beginning. <laughs> he wonders if Valerie Archer is supposed to be Jonathan Archer's descendant. No. The answer is Jonathan Archer didn't exist yet when this show was made. Yeah. And there's, I don't think there's anything in that that makes it. Any there any reason to think that she would be, and also she's not real. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 Just the stuff about uh, how the eight four seven twos can change their shape and all that shit. Exactly. Uh, he also says they changed their mass and cellular structure, so it's you know not Dodo last week. Um, yeah. I guess uh, species eight four seven two has been pretty all in on a war against the Federation for some reason, mm-hmm. with at least eight and maybe up to twenty fake installations in the galaxy. Yeah. Also, I guess Seven can run out of nanoprobes. Yeah, she's like, I'm plumb out. I ain't got any more, boss. And that's when uh, Janeway goes on that rant. What was the episode where the guy pretended to be rescuing them and he ended up becoming assimilated at the end? It was pretty recent. Oh, um, the one with, um, what's his name? Who was Ray Wise is Sparkling? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ray Wise Sparkles? Um, that one was called... Uh, was that Hope and Fear? Fuck, I don't know. Anyway, I I wondered in that one how he knew that Voyager was responsible for the Borg winning that war. Yep. Who had told him? That shit got around. And I wonder in this one how Species 8472 knows that Voyager is responsible for the Borg winning that war. I can only and, assume it has to do why with... why they think the Federation is a threat. I can only assume it has to do with the telepathy that they showed in that episode. I mean, yeah, it is true that they got telepathic with Cass. Yeah. They must have read it out of Cass's fucking mind or something. 
But then she threw Voyager 10,000 goddamn <laughs> light years away. Yep. <coughs> Same episode. She eated them. So it's just wild that they had enough intel to plan this war. Yeah. And also, that was not that long ago. And they've really devoted 100% of their resources to it. What we uh, said about Ray Wise Sparkles is the is that clearly the Federation is going around talking about all their adventures to anyone Janeway who will is, listen. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Janeway brags of everyone she meets about how she made peace with the Borg or whatever, and everyone hates it. <laughs> uh, also, I guess Seven can run out of nanoprobes this week. It seems like she has an endless supply most of the time, but... Yeah. Maybe a little goes a long way. It's a two for me, world-building-wise. I agree. It's a two. Uh, despite never encountering 8472 anywhere but the Delta Quadrant that one time, Janeway says they may be all that lies between these Undines and a total invasion of Earth. Without Before this, before she's talked to them. She doesn't know about <laughs> all true. their installations or any of this <laughs> business. Yeah, she doesn't know anything about it, but you're right. That That is her operating theory. Uh, 600 million casualties in World War III from nuclear weapons is what the doctor's talking about. That seems like more than what they said in um, Terra Prime, by the way. I bet there's an article about World War III that explains all of the various differing things that we've heard. Yeah, you're probably right. It's probably on Ex- Astra Scientia, but uh, I thought it said 10 million in that one. Yep. <laughs> It's a just type different number. World War three. In the meantime, we get to hear what the Undines think of the Federation, and they can't be blamed for thinking that they out here killing everybody they can find because the first time they met them, and I guess they do know that the Federation were just like, we're, yeah, we're with the Borg on this one. You know, the people who invaded your space, we're with them, and we gave them the weapons to kill you. I'd be pretty mad too. Um, but yeah, just a two. There's some stuff in there, but it's not great. Yeah. Uh, 37 million, according to Bread and Circuses. Mm-mm. That's not close. Uh, yeah, but 600 million, according to, uh, this one, so. Uh, let's see. Characterization, Ben gave it a three. He says, Chaco's one kinky bastard. He knows that chick is a fluidic space alien, but goes in for the tongue. Uh, yep. And he says Seven is suspicious, but then admits she was wrong. As usual, she's the only one with an arc. Again, I wasn't even sure whether she was supposed to be important to this episode. Um, and he says Janeway totally reverses how she was thinking about 8472 without any evidence but intuition. Her command <laughs> yeah. style is basically just volatile. Uh, yeah, well, again, you described the her main scene is extremely volatile. I would definitely have gone straight to Schmollis or somebody and been like, hey, let's get some some subtle scans of Janeway's brain because she's on one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. I have uh, Chaco plays it cool as an infiltrator on this fake earth. He was never good with chopsticks. Makes out with this alien lady. Janeway is still very dogmatic about these undines. That shit Kess told her really shook her. But yeah. she changes her mind without any inciting incident or anything, just decides they can be reasoned with. After all, this was a weird episode. The doctor feels the need to defend humanity for some reason. Like he has a personal stake in this conversation with Seven where she points out we knew each other to death. Uh-huh. And it's like, you ain't human. And you weren't there. Exactly. You don't kind of you're not responsible for any of this. Yeah, feel free to sit this one out, man. Just be like, man, I guess. 
No, he has political opinions. Uh, first of all, limited brush wars were <laughs> proxy wars were the only yep. way that you could have resolved a hundred percent necessary. Yeah, absolutely necessary. Um, I mean, this might. Uh, he also thinks that uh, minorities in general, oh yeah, should not rock the boat and be grateful for what they've got mm-hmm. and. Things will get better slowly if they just patient. stay out of sight. Yeah, just be pa- patiently wait. And yes, you won't have like freedom or equality, but if you're patient, you know, it'll get better. This might have earned points for Janeway doing diplomacy if it wasn't so sudden and crazy. And if they didn't resolve everything based on weird links between characters that shouldn't exist. Like they're rushed even for Star Trek. Um, so just a four for me. The last week, the last time we saw Janeway in the episode Extreme Risk, mm-hmm. she told a Malon captain that if he ever saw the Voyager logo <laughs> on a probe again, he should hightail it out of the whole damn sector. She's so unhinged. Now she's like, I keep thinking that we're not doing enough to resolve this peacefully. Yeah, you think? It's two different Janeways. Mm-hmm. You... I, you want to give it points because she's doing the Starfleet thing now, but the inconsistency is maddening. I mean, and even again, we've talked about it three times now. In that scene, in that yes, scene, she's the, the two scene Janeways. begins with her fucking uh, Halsey style stomping on her own hat <laughs> because she can't nanoprobes. get enough goddamn nanoprobe torpedoes. She's got to have more. <laughs> Mama wants nanoprobes. She started shouting. It was fucking weird. Mama's um, gotta have the nanoprobes. Chakotay makes more sense here. He takes a swing at trying to convince Valerie Archer at the end of his date that the humans humans don't need to be destroyed, even though that was a big risk. Yeah. Uh, Seven has another opportunity to learn how to do things the human way, as opposed to her knee-jerk Borg reaction about them. But she's really weirdly not involved in this story about their mortal enemies, mm-hmm. Species 8472. Yep. And everyone else is on Little League duty. The uh, the one scene where I thought Tom Paris was going to be a, a non-dying, he turned out, it turned out he we never saw him again in the whole episode, so it didn't matter. So confusing. Uh, it was a four for me. Okay. All right, quick ones then. Yeah, uh, Chicote they make smaller cameras. Uh, we saw one in Identity Crisis. It's true. You could have just been wearing that little headband. And then when someone said, what's up with that headband? He wouldn't even need the light. Yeah. What's up with that headband? You could say, oh, I need this to see. That's right. Who's going to know? It's fucking Starfleet, man. There must be uh, all kinds of different disability accommodations at the Academy, and no one's going to say shit about it. And yeah, not only that, like... Uh, 75% of all the aliens in the galaxy look just like humans. You could just say you're a special alien. I'm a special yeah. alien and I need this. I'm a bonzo. <laughs> okay. Bonzo and we gotta wear these to see on your planet. Uh, we wear these. You've heard of Benzites, right? We're bonzos. Like that. Oh, is he a Benzite or a Benzonite? We'll talk about it. Well, we... <laughs> <laughs> um... Uh, this simulation cannot be reliable. There's too many Ferengi at the damn Academy. Yeah, right. Like, if they thought they were going to fool anyone, they'd be like, wait, there are two Ferengi standing next to each other and one's already a commissioned officer? Yeah, uh, we know the first one ever to enter Starfleet. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if they know that on Voyager yet, but they, I mean, for sure. That was, re- was recent that that happened. Yeah. DS9's two seasons ahead of Voyager, right? Yeah, but I think Nog joined in... Did he join in three yeah, or four? 
Right. So whatever it was, Voyager was in the Delta Quadrant. Yeah. For sure. Right. These guys must have some information that's... Well, we never learn where they get their goddamn information. I think, it's so a, it I think they're guessing. I think they're like, I don't know, just populate it with aliens of the Alpha Quadrant. Yeah. yeah. Uh, everybody knows not to revert in public. That's extremely nasty. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is a question I have for you, Matt. When Chakotay says, how could I forget? Did you also sing? When he hit me with a surprise <laughs> left. Because I did. <laughs> yeah. Clearly, I remember picking on the boy. Seemed a harmless little fuck. Oh, but we unleashed. Oh, you and I have this song in different keys. Oh. I just realized that. Yeah, I am. I got it in a different key than you. Yeah, you you had it pitched down from where I was. Uh, What the fuck does Kim mean by, I always wondered what it would be like to date an alien? (laughs) That's just any alien? That's why he wasn't into Libby. Not a specific one? Nah, just one of them. He lives in the... Fa- this is, he is not in first contact. He's not the uh, woman in the... He's not B.B. Newworth meeting her first ever alien and getting nasty about it. <laughs> right, he's seen some. Like, he's always wondered what it's like to date an alien? He's seen some. He should have a preference, I guess. But no, he's just like an ethnic. Any kind of ethnic? I've never dated yeah, an Yeah, I mean, that's wild, right? Yeah. If someone said to you, oh, I've always wanted to date... A colored person? A POC? They were going to use a the POC? modern lingo. Like what? I mean, any Would of you them? be like, I don't, there's something wrong with you, buddy. Yeah, I mean, like, um, it's, uh, I don't I don't feel like you're doing it for the right reasons. I don't, you haven't explained to me what they are, and frankly, I'd rather you don't. <laughs> yeah. That's a weird thing to say. Like, man, the world's a rainbow out there and everything, and just like everybody go get yours, but, but like, I don't know what you're talking about. The thing you're saying doesn't make sense to me. Just any alien. <laughs> Again, now we know why he wasn't into Libby. Uh, Seven says we're out of nanoprobes. Janeway says, I don't care if the doctor has to skin you alive to get them. I want more torpedoes. Seriously. Uh, Then I stopped writing quick hitters. I don't blame you. Best actor, Boothby probably. Although, uh, and you you already mentioned Ty's wife. Mm -hmm. Admiral Bullock is the third of these guys. Mm -hmm. He is, of course, the Zindi primate counselor who never gets a name. He is indeed, and he was in Babylon 5. And he was in Babylon 5, just in one episode, but I guess he must have made an impression on you. He's the guy who's going around trying to figure out if anybody has seen this shadow vessel. Have you seen this shadow vessel? Yes? No? Anybody? Right. Yeah. Uh, worst actor, the guy who kills himself in sick bay. Um, uh, everybody said tone it down as he died. Yeah, it was it's pretty bad. David Gentry. I haven't entered my quick hitters. David Gentry. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's have those damn quick hitters then. All right, we'll start with that one. David Gentry is an over actor for sure. Um, I guess nobody noticed when he was walking around the academy or command grounds. Um, Chaco's weird rank pin. Oh yeah, I'd ask about it. If I were a Starfleet, he's wearing the I'd wrong go. uniform too. He's just wearing his Voyager shit. He didn't put on the uh, the planet side m- or whatever. slightly more formal TNG season four ones. Yeah, I'd be like, hey, what's up with the what's up with that rank pin? What does that mean? You're some kind of NCO? I don't know what that one says. All uh, right. Uh, I don't want to ask. Is this guy like a Kaczynski? <laughs> yeah, I don't want to deal with him. If he's a civilian he's contractor, on standard ranks like Kaczynski, get him out of my fucking business. It's like a black square and a white square. I don't know what that fucking means. Uh, in one of, I think, was the worst line of the episode, I do have a, a question. What is Pond Far Night at the Vulcan nightclub like? Like, 
What's it that? It can't be real. The Vulcans are so secretive about Pond's Four. In this show, we've learned from Tuvok that they will never talk about it. Ever. Yeah. Sp- Spock didn't want to talk about it so much. McCoy was embarrassed to talk about it. <laughs> yep. We had to do, he's nasty. We had to do the whole thing with Shmulda's trying to have a uh, the sex talk with Vorik. Like, yeah. But uh, there's Ponfar Night at the Vulcan nightclub? I, these aliens yeah, missed like, it. These guys were going to get caught right away. Yeah. Like, they were going to, these guys were going to fucking show up at Starfleet Academy to do their research or whatever Booth Bay says they were going there to do. And the guy was going to be like, so when's Ponfar Night at the Vulcan nightclub? And they would have said, all right, right to jail for you. <laughs> I don't know if this guy's from the mirror universe or what. <laughs> said, but uh, yeah. Straight to jail. It's got a five o'clock shadow. I can see that goatee growing in. This guy's Would have seen sure. him fucking screaming in the, behind the force field right away. It's fuck what a cop fucking. Guy. That's maybe the best scene in all of the original series. Yeah, we talked about what o- like, the overall takeaway. I wonder how our counterparts are getting on in the other universe, and it's just Kirk foaming at the mouth, and, <laughs> and that's it. We box. never revisit them. Yeah, like in <laughs> it's, it's my, the Xbox, just like uh, we knew right away. It talks about what the overall takeaway might be about O'Brien and Keiko from the whole project. The best scene in the whole project probably will be that one where you just cut straight <laughs> to them in jail, and Spock goes, "Huh? Just no, I caught these guys." To Kirk in jail, losing these it. guys were not convincing. I caught them. Don't worry about it. <laughs> But where are our Kirk and whoever? Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I also stopped writing quick haters because why? So, well, good news is one more to go this week, and it was la- uh, last week's winner. Yeah, and Ben's pick of the week, etc. This week we watched uh, Apocalypse Rising. Hey. Where was my bomb? Oh, I'm sorry. Did you, uh, did you want to hear the bad note? I want to hear the bad note. <laughs> that makes it all better. All right. Cisco and Dax are on their way back from a in-person meeting with Starfleet Command. They might have mentioned someone else was on that runabout. I don't care. Uh, they are late. Worf wants to go out and find him in the Defiant, but uh, Kira is in charge, and she says Defiant has to stay and, I guess, protect Bajor. The runabout finally makes it back, but it got all shot up by Klingons. Sisko reveals that the space war between them and the Klingons? You know about that, right? It was declared at the end of last season. It was just two weeks ago for us, but, you know, it would have been over the summer. It's, um... It's going badly, but Starfleet has finally decided to act. They're going to send a team to expose Gowron as a changeling, again, like we talked about last time. And that team is Cisco and whatever idiots he can bring along. <laughs> Cisco and his choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cisco finds Odo in Quark's bar getting ripped on something fizzy. Uh, wait, to, uh, to be honest, this is Starfleet's plan. This is how Picard, mm-hmm. Worf, and Dr. Crusher got sent to get some metagenic weapons in uh, an upcoming episode. I thought many times. I mean, it's it's like 50 weeks from now, but an upcoming episode. I saw. I thought many times about that episode during this episode. <laughs> and how they never seem to have... Hey, what happened to those cool Makos? Or like... Can, uh-huh. Is there anyone? Anyone at all they can send? No, just whatever. How about dude. just even the Starfleet security guys from the movies who have the weird padded leather helmets and vests? Yeah, whatever. Whoever you can find. But no, it's always just like, I don't know, I know this guy. I'll take him along. Um, Cisco finds Odo in Quark's bar getting ripped on something fizzy. 
Uh, oh, that was in. It, I think it's just a beer. To be honest, it looks like it's in a beer bottle that they just turned, so you can't read the label. It definitely looks like it's just a lager. Yeah, he's just having a lager in there. Uh, Eldo's in a big funk. Not being a changeling sucks in a major way for him. And it turns out that unlike everyone's advice in all of Star Trek, just focusing on your job ain't doing it for him. Cisco mm-hmm. wants him on this infiltration team. Odo thinks he'll be useless, but Cisco, I think, is trying to give him a boost. So, um, At the briefing, they come up with plans to get close to Galron at his cool asteroid base, Tigacore. Yeah, Tigacore. Uh, they're going to get him in between some Polaron emitters. Man, if there was a good Star Trek game... You'd hell you'd run a raid on Tiger Core for sure, right? Oh, if there was a good like fleet action game, fuck yeah, dude. Fleet action or even like a Star Trek FPS. Oh yeah, infiltrate that shit. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh they're gonna get him inside uh, a bunch of these polar emitters and force him into his gelatinous state. But how are they gonna get in undetected? Well, they're gonna use Ducat's bird of prey that we haven't seen yeah. in a while. Um, yeah, when was his episode? What was the name of that? I don't know. He dropped off his daughter and fucked off, and that was it. So. This is from the episode Return to Grace, week 84. Okay. Damn, that has been a while. 13 episodes. Uh, Anyway, the doctor is doing Star Trek's favorite makeup trick. Cisco, (laughs) O'Brien, Odo, and Worf are all done up like Klingon soldiers. These fuckers are going to be inducted into the Order of the Batleth so they can like get in the room with a, with Galron. He's going to hand them a medal or whatever. Klingon information security is bullshit, so it's very easy for Gul Dukat to insert them onto this list. Yeah. And but it's like that's consistent with everything we've seen about the Klingons. Remember when Galron looked at one spreadsheet for a minute and almost had Quark killed? <laughs> it's pretty good actually. Anything with Garon's pretty good, which is why this episode gets good. Yeah, you love you love to see Garon in this one. There's a great It's a very it's a very short scene when he's putting a medal on Cisco and he's just giving him a crazy big eyed blank stare <laughs> and you're just like What's up with this uh, guy? Yeah, show me them things. Show me the orbs. Hey, what makes this guy tick? It's always what I wonder. <laughs> I like like our friend's kid, I always wonder, what's he into? Is he into Pokemon? <laughs> um Anyway, uh, Worf uh, grills Odo and O'Brien and Cisco in order to get them to act more Klingon. Not that he's any yep. good at it. Um, <laughs> it's all made up shit for him. Yeah. I mean, by this point, he's actually met a lot of Klingons and fought in a couple of Klingon civil wars and stuff. But he's but you know definitely what I mean. not. It's still pretty much made. Uh, he's got very religious, spent a lot of time with Klingon <laughs> monks. He actually might know a thing or he two de- by now. He probably knows, but he himself is still not very Klingon at all. So it's a weird teacher. Yeah. Um, Oh, also, I want to, you didn't mention this. I want to put point this out. Worst disguise is no disguise. Oh, yeah, they just let his hair he, down. He just takes his hair out of a ponytail mm-hmm. and goes as Worf. Yeah. Hopefully yeah, those ridges are I don't think aren't... he even came up with a fake name. Uh, did they change his ridges at all? No, huh? Nope. Okay. Ridges are the same. Face is the same. Yeah. He just puts on a Klingon uniform and lets his hair down, and it's like just, fucking Clark Kent over here. Just goes as Colonel Worf or whatever. Um... Anyway, Odo and Cisco have a, another discussion about Odo's wild lack of confidence these days. Uh, they run into another Klingon ship on the way, and Dukat's normal use holograms to make me a pure Klingon trick doesn't work, so he just blows the shit out of them. 
uh, Ducat also tells him he's not going to be coming back for him. Uh, if they succeed, yeah. he <laughs> suggests they won't need a ride because they'll have done their job, and if they fail, they'll be dead anyway. So, peace out. Uh, Cisco's yeah. team beams down, and the mission is underway. Meanwhile, Jake is being a bummer like Odo, moping on the promenade, worried about his dad. That scene's not really for anything. I didn't even write down that that scene happened, by the way. It's, there's nothing. I'm just following along in my notes. Not even anything. There were a few scenes where Bashir was going around talking to random people on the station, and I didn't understand what it was for. Little League. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, oh, I already said that. Back to Cisco. Uh, beating up a Klingon who bragged about killing a Benzonite captain. But describes pulling away his fucking breathing tubes. Uh-huh. Which sounds like a uh, Benzite. It does. But also, it's not right in my quick hitters. There can't possibly be a Benzite captain yet. <laughs> it's true. We've only just barely met Mordok and Mendon. Mordok and Mendon are one of them's at the probably still actually at the academy. <laughs> well, <laughs> no, no he's probably out of the academy by now, but he's got to be an ensign. And the other one, and I can't remember which is which, could maybe be a lieutenant. By Mordok's now. the academy. Mendon's the transfer. Who, um, yeah, who I assume fucked back off to wherever he came from. Right, Benzar, yeah. Ben, Ben. Maybe he could be captain of a fucking Benzite freighter. Maybe. Yeah. Um. Anyway, that's one of Cisco's IRL buddies, so he's pretty buttered about it. And also, this space war's been pretty brutal already, huh? Yeah. Damn. Um. Anyway, their job is to have a wild party for like a whole day until Gowron shows up. Many hours later, General... And then anyone who's like passed out drunk doesn't get the award. That's right. There are stakes to this party. Uh, Martok eventually comes to the party. You remember him from Way of the Warrior. Uh, they are, for some reason, afraid they'll be recognized by him. It's particularly O'Brien is afraid. And it's like, as if... Yeah. Martok was standing behind over Gowron's shoulder on the bridge of the Negvar and saw O'Brien on and going, ops. Who, who's the who's the dumpy? Who's the what's the one with the really sour? Zoom in on that guy. I mean, it's a. I didn't understand what was happening. I keep an eye on that guy in this scene, and I have lots of notes about it later. But anyway, they're afraid they're going to be recognized by Martok. O'Brien gets through a weird conversation with him. Odo gets caught setting up one of the Polaron nodes i don't know what those things are little the little modules to thermal detonators okay um but wharf saves him and then the award ceremony begins uh the weekend plays their latest hit song and then gowron passes out medals <laughs> to random Klingons for a while eventually cisco's alias is called up but after he receives the award martok has him arrested because he did recognize cisco Cisco, he might recognize. They yelled at each other a lot. It makes more sense. But he's that he'd still a Klingon. Cisco? He's in his like Klingon. Cisco's makeup. been a part of the thing where they sent that other guy to try to get Worf arrested or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, somehow he knows who the others are too, unless he just maybe started scanning for aliens at that point. Uh, anyway, they all in jail. Martok seems kind of nice, like wondering sadly why they threw their lives away like this. Uh, he says that he, too, has suspected Gowron of being a changeling for many months. And he says now the only way to prove Gowron's a changeling is to kill him and let his body turn into a jelly. Martok can't do it, though. They gotta do it. 
Yeah. Martok is not going to fucking risk his political capital on this. So he's going to let him out of jail and kill a lot of dudes on the way out of jail. He is going to kill three guards. <laughs> not so clear that the first one dies. Maybe a disruptor has a stun setting. Oof, I don't know. His chest burned a little bit. It didn't look good. Yeah. It did. Um, anyway, he takes him out to the main hall where Worf engages Gowron in combat. And Gowron is fucking down for it, as he always is 100% of the time. <laughs> Gowron is... We know two things about... Well, <laughs> we haven't seen it yet in this project, but we know two things about Gowron. One, he's extremely cranked to fight someone to the death. <laughs> yes. Two, he's not bad at he's it. He's a really good fighter, it turns out. Yeah. Like, he, when he had to do the long form of the whatever bullshit... Uh-huh. Uh, Battle is one, know, dude. The I'm surprised Bahat that Ghoul? I can't remember. Bahat Ghoul? Like he, no, wait, that's the one the Data does? Yeah, it's not the Bahat Ghoul. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, he uh, he had done some battles before he became the Chancellor. Yeah, dude, it just ends with Battle is won, and I was like, fuck yeah, it is. Um, I've always loved this character. Anyway, uh, while Hodo... Uh, while Worf and uh, Gowron are fighting, Odo realizes something is wrong. He now thinks Martok is the changeling because of how he's acting. Well, Martok keeps asking dumb questions like, why, why is any of this happening? <laughs> why would you guys do this, though? I don't I don't understand why the guys with the crumple heads are like this. Um. Anyway, hey, Odo, we're only here because you said it was Gowron, idiot. He's like, <laughs> well, Martok's the changeling. He's like, yeah, bro, you should have gotten this right. Anyway, well, it could be, I guess it could be that the other changelings were planting that. Yes, which I'm sure is... Putting that on him. The explanation, he'll tell everybody. Anyway, uh, Worf is finally about to kill Gowron. He finally bests him when Odo and Martok roll into the room wrestling. And Odo yells yes. that Martok is the changeling. And for some reason, Martok confirms this by doing a tentacle attack. Uh-huh. And then he gets shot to shit by a room full of Klingons. Yeah. Uh, Gowron now, totally chill, just doing a walk-in <laughs> talk with Cisco. Gowron super excited that this has covered up the fact that he lost the fight with Worf. <laughs> That's right, no one way. will remember that part. <laughs> uh, he's mad about this, uh, Dominion plot, and he gives Odo an attaboy, which was nice. Um, still, he can't end the war without, like, getting to keep all the shit that they claim now, like the Arcanist sector he's always talking about. But they convince him in 45 seconds that he should try. Yeah. And then he gives Worf some fucking smack talk. Because he's, again, I think upset that he lost that fight. <laughs> yeah. And then he leaves. Like, no one noticed he's going to get away. Like, a few people are going to be like, yeah, but did you see he didn't win that fight, right? <laughs> you saw that Worf was actually going to kill he's about him. about to kill him. It was a real, and no, Worf, no situation. I'm pretty sure in our impossible system, that would have made Worf our leader, so... <laughs> That's right. Is it Civil War again? Well, look, dude, it kind of makes sense that Gowron's such a good fighter, because I think that is their dumb impossible system. There's yeah. probably dudes challenging Gowron, like, every other day. Well, we know that he didn't get it through uh, fiscal responsibility, no. or maybe even basic numeracy. Or, like, having a consistent position on anything. He's like the galaxy's biggest flip-flopper. We'll talk about it. Anyway... <laughs> Uh, he leaves, and I guess we're supposed to think maybe the war's over? The space war that we just started? Yeah, it's on the way to being over, I guess. Yeah. And they were fighting all summer. Losses on both sides were very bad. Apparently. Martok says our losses keep mounting. Yeah, it was... Uh, and it's like, ah, it's going bad for both of you idiots. And the way the soldiers were talking about it, it was, vicious, it was a vicious struggle that was all off screen somewhere. 
before the season started. So yeah. Uh, anyway, that's the episode, man. Um, what was it about? Uh, it's something like you're bigger than any one skill of yours. You're not defined by your disability. It's something in that vein. Yeah. Uh, Odo doesn't believe until right at the end when he solves the mystery with his real basic sense of observation. Yes. That he has anything to contribute as a solid, but you know, Cisco was right. He's still got it. Yeah, and it seems weird it's, even to call it a disability because he just is like everyone else now. He doesn't have his yeah, only from his perspective, yes, right? right? But you know, he's he's gonna have to learn a lot of accommodations because he, well, he didn't used to have to shit, right? That's a and big that one. He's gonna be really taking short suck. so many times. He's gonna he's gonna get caught. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> taking short, uh, of course, being our uh, lovely dad's phrase. He, you know, he didn't originate that. I have seen it in writing. Oh, nice. Well, he did. That's it, where I always heard it, it growing up. I may have seen it in The Naked and the Dead. Hmm. So maybe it's a military expression. Ah, well, that's what he'd always say when he was about to drive me to school, but then said, we're going to be late. <laughs> I've, been ta- I've been taken short. Uh, this is a condition with which Ben will surely sympathize. <laughs> I know I'm putting him on blast, but his wife would put him on blast too. So. <laughs> that's true. And you know what? This uh, audience you... isn't any bigger or even as big as game night. So it's fine. That is correct. There are actually fewer people listening to this than will be at the next game night. So Assuming you resend the invite anyway. Uh, well, I, no, I'm not sure I have to because Ben already said that he was going to attend. Okay. Uh, uh, anyway, about this message. Uh, it's true. It's fine. It's good. Uh, they've had, they had a, sh- a whole show about disabilities. Yeah. So this one is probably more about losing your confidence and realizing that you have other skills and stuff like that. There's nothing wrong with it. I gave it a five. Yep. Uh, Ben's at a five too, but his is about the Klingon Federation stuff. About breaching distrust that can mend fences. I don't really know. Um, anyway, so yeah, a five from Ben. I was in the same neighborhood as you. I said, even if you lose one of your primary skills, because again, I didn't know whether to call it a disability or not, you can make up for it with cunning and experience, maybe. I mean, it's different from the like uh, the kind of uh, sort of differently abledness of having been born blind or deaf or something. This is like if you lost it midstream. Yeah. Um, and I guess I was only looking at the Odo plot because otherwise this is the same as the TNG this week. Like fuckers out here trying to ruin your cool alliances, you know? It really is. Same alliance even. Except that the Dominion has said 15 times already that, they, that they're going to break up the Federation Klingon alliance. And that they ain't worried about either of them. Yeah. Just not worried. Uh, anyway. And that they got people, you know, they got friends in low places. That's right. That's right. Uh, anyway, um, it's a nice thought, and in the episode, it works that way, that Odo's detective skills are still able to save the day or whatever. I doubt it's always the case. I bet sometimes you get a disability and it just sucks a hundred dicks. Probably. And you're just shit out of luck, and it's terrible. But that would be a really depressing episode if they made that. I gave it a four. <laughs> if it's like Odo goes... Sorry, you said you gave it a five before you've knocked it down to a four? No, no, I said I was in the same neighborhood as you with the take. Oh, I had the same like, okay, take, right. but I gave it. I only gave it a four. Um, execution. Um, ben gave it a six. He says, uh, good makeup. I bet the actors really enjoyed that. You could tell Avery Brooks was into it. Uh, you know who did not enjoy it? 
uh, Columbini. If you read the behind the scenes stuff, he whined about it so much that uh, Dorn told the producers never to put him in prosthetics again. Dorn's like, I do this every day, you piece exactly. of shit. Exactly, it's his whole thing, and uh, Colin could not shut up about I it. I do it every day, but do it like, every day for ten they years. They don't even straighten your hair. <laughs> it's really crazy. Yeah, he shouldn't say that on a show like this where so many people do makeup. Why would you? Co- yeah. Wow. Um, he says uh, they don't. Co- they aren't covert specialists. Cisco's plan gets crazier and crazier. Now they're not just invited to the ceremony, but they're actually supposed to be credible candidates for the Order of the Batleth, which is an elite bodyguard. Yeah, right. O'Brien cannot pull that one off, guaranteed. Uh, it's not an elite bodyguard. It's just an award. The elite yeah. bodyguard is the Brotherhood of the Sword. The names are yes, unfortunately similar. Uh, also, they tease. Gowron's personal bodyguard, the Brotherhood of the Sword, up at the top, and we never see him. He tells everyone not to interfere because he really loves this fucking fight. He wants to yeah. fight so bad. Uh, and then again, a decent twist, he says, kind of like the TNG episode. Um, I was close. I gave it a five. I guess we're dealing with the fallout of the Odo stuff from last season. That's fine. It would be weird not to talk about it. But I'm betting this week saved his psyche, and next week he'll just be like, regular Odo minus the tentacle powers or whatever. Yeah, I guess we'll see. It'll be hard for them to put him totally back to normal. It'll be hard for them not to mention that this ongoing problem until spoiler alert, it eventually gets resolved. Yeah. Again, why would Martok recognize anybody other than Worf and Cisco? He met Worf in person. The one time when Worf stole his son's dagger. Yep. And he saw Cisco a lot on the view screen, and we saw their point of view. We saw Cisco on the view screen, and it was just Cisco. <laughs> Am I forgetting a cool party he had on DS9 with O'Brien and Odo? It doesn't make any sense that he know who the fuck O'Brien was. And then Odo keep in mind, maybe because they're aware of the changeling threat, and Odo's the changeling. But like, yeah, but then uh, take it one step further. They're all in Klingon makeup. Yep. So it's not even like it's just them who he would not have any right to recognize. It was uh, the whole thing was strange. Um, it was a weird one episode war between Starfleet and the Klingon Empire. It wrapped up really quick, but it wasn't that hard to watch or anything. It was it was fine, so I give it a five. Um, I'm up with Ben. I gave it a six. Okay. It's unfortunate how bad Cisco is at explaining any of this to Odo. He just says, I need you. You're the best security officer in the quadrant or whenever. When Odo actually has a ton of experience in infiltration, mm-hmm. he has the Federation's entire understanding of changeling abilities and behavior. Yeah. He has the memories of the faces he saw in the link. Yep. But the best Cisco can do is like, I still need you along. You're my guy. You know you're my guy, Odo. In fact, his lack of specificity makes it seem like he's just trying to boost his confidence. It really does. <laughs> like he doesn't actually need him. We spend a lot of time with Ducat and Damar. Yeah. Which is nice. Mm-hmm. But more time with Martok before the reveal or more time with Gowron afterwards would have been better. Yeah. And Odo choosing to keep his face at the end is cute, but it's not meaningful like i understand that having his messed up face was his punishment from the founders but it doesn't seem like it bummed him out at all like that's the only face he's ever had yeah it doesn't seem like it's a punishment to him so that's not a big moment also gowron insists that a war is a hard thing to stop but like i don't expect that to come up much in the next few weeks (laughs) no that's what i'm saying i think by next time they'll be like 
they'll just be bosom buddies again. Yeah. It's weird. Uh, there's a lot of dumb O'Brien as a Klingon gags and some scenes about Kira's pregnancy that do no work. But Gowron, Martok, Dukat, it's never going to be too lousy. Yeah. Uh, world building. In terms of world building, yeah. um, Ben is a four. Golden snitches are polar on emitters. The universal translator is now good enough to fool a native speaker. Third rail. <clears throat> but yes. Uh, Worf's Klingon school for dummies. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're giving the uh, highest honor to a lady Klingon, Huss. That's why I named my notes. Don't fuck with the Huss. Yep. Uh, it's a four for me. The Brotherhood of the Sword, Polar on Emitters, the Order of the Batleth. The war is not going well for either side somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, we see what happens to changelings when they get shot with a hundred disruptor bolts. And the possibility that the uh, war of season four and all of the sort of interference from the producers yes. uh, is going to be wrapped soon. We can get back to presumably what they were trying to do before that was forced on them. Yeah, uh, I agreed. Four. Um, most of the same things. If I thought there was, like, if the war didn't wrap up in the end of this episode, it might have been worth some points because <laughs> it's kind yeah, of yeah. It would have been worth more for sure. <clears throat> um, the whole war is off screen uh, anyway. Yeah, because it sounds like Martok is the proponent of this war. So if he's gone, maybe Gowron will have an easier time getting rid of it. Uh, the Klingons are obsessive about blood screenings, which seems odd, but good for them. <clears throat> Sounds like something that we wouldn't even be able to accomplish in this country today. Well, they cut their fucking hands all the time anyway for no reason, so. January 2021. Yeah, yeah for sure. Do you think if we there were absolutely. alien changelings that could pose as humans, we could get any of the idiots in this country to do a blood screening? Uh, absolutely not. That's how they put the chips in you. That's <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> Uh, these little Polaron things. Meanwhile, I definitely will upload a picture of my driver's license to the alt-right website that I use to... <laughs> What's the worst that uh, can happen? Issue death threats. I'm sure it's extremely secure, and my the record of everything we've ever done here won't be fucking saved for posterity. Yeah. Um, non-specific alien crew member is budding again, and we'll soon have 18 babies. Uh... Ducat's hollow tricks when speaking to other Klingon ships. What's a benzonite? The Klingon mentions <laughs> breathing tubes. Did he mean benzites? <coughs> Klingon blood wine doesn't have any bubbles. They took an anti-intoxicant so they could drink all night. I bet they had to pee 50 times, though. Yeah, but you can probably just pee in a corner there. Oh, yeah. Huss don't <laughs> that care. That place smells like nasty piss for sure. Huss don't mind. We saw the Klingon women on... Uh, <laughs> They're just game, dude. On the... Uh, uh, fuck me man what was pog, the name of that ship the pog. pog the pog um i miss vecma where's she at where is vecma she'll have him bring me vecma he's not very attractive but i will have him uh <laughs> klingon hair we, i don't know if you touched about it klingon hair comes in a lot of shades hey Doug, how come season one and season two of tng were so good in retrospect yeah there were well it was the problem was um they were Sometimes they were too much like TOS, and then other times they had the the dialogue monster. But then yeah. sometimes there was really interesting stuff happening. It was yep. it was raw, but there was some good stuff. All right, I don't know if we've talked about it, but Klingon hair comes in a lot of different shades. They give Cisco oh, yeah, the dark hair. 
but O'Brien and Odo both have lighter hair, and Worf, when he takes his hair down, you can see that it's pretty light. Yeah, well, Worf, even in TNG, has got, like, he's got some auburn streaks in his hair, for sure. Uh-huh. But Especially in, like, season seven. And then you see a lot of Klingons in the hall with different shades of hair, so that's just what the Klingons be like. They got lots of lots of hair variation. Um, Yeah, just a four for me. Could have got some points if this was in the middle of some arc, but it's a real in and out of the space war. Worth anything to you that there's a statue of General Chang in that Hall of Heroes? Wait, was that what the statue was? Yeah, oh. one of them. There's a bunch of them. I didn't even notice that. I should have been watching those statues closer. Um, no. I mean, I guess continu- yeah. Chang continuity? I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, it's not Chang continuity. We don't even know who General Chang is yet in this one. Um, I shouldn't have said, yeah, we're not doing the movies. <laughs> Although that would be way better than what we've been doing. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, flipping over to characterization... Ben gave it a four. Uh, Gowron was normal all the time. Why did he start acting different now that he was on DS9? I pulled that out. <laughs> I pulled that. You know the answer to that. I pulled that out so that I could make my point about Gowron, which is that dude is political as hell, and he changes his mind every other day, and he never is a changeling, but in every other episode we see him, he acts different because yep. he's on a thing every time in dng he's different every time we see him in ds9 he's different every time we see him because he isn't totally sane and he just kind of does whatever he feels like he needs to for political favor at any given time this dude showed up from the fucking hinterlands of klingon space Mm -hmm. uh yes not an insider at all it's a political outsider kalar didn't know dick about him Uh and he's He's insane. He's an insane maniac who's so much fun but to he's watch. He's good enough with a knife to keep any challenges at bay. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got crazy eyes, and Worf helped him out by icing Duras. Yep. And he and Worf have a real love hate relationship that goes through many stages. Um, I was a little bit higher, I think, because of all the guest characters that I enjoy. I gave it a five. Um,. Starts off with Worf once again having a turf war with somebody. This time it's Kira. He's, he can't get along with anybody anymore. Uh, he's also boned out by the spy mission. He gets to play drill sergeant, and he likes it. Yep. Odo's a bummer now. He's also a terrible choice as a Klingon, because he's so meek right now. <laughs> but his reasoning and deduction skills save the day. And then, like you said about his face, he's going to keep his face. Uh, Kir- I mean, also the fact that Martok kept him out of that room... <laughs> Changeling Martok kept him out of that room, so all he had to do was watch Martok. Yes, he didn't, didn't get too caught up watching the fight. In reality, he didn't have to do very much. Uh, Kira gives Dukat hella private information because she knows it will mess with his head about yeah. the O'Brien baby. Damar is a brash young officer under Dukat. We met him once before, but I don't even know if he... Had, did he have a name that first time? He had a name and he got some lines. Okay. O'Brien's also not a good Klingon. Why was he picked? Was there some kind of engineering problem they were going to have to do? Yeah. I can't understand why he's there. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, Cisco's all in on being a Klingon today. At least somebody brought some fucking energy. <laughs> he was uh, captain of the Academy wrestling team 22 years ago. Okay, sure. Um, Listen, the Academy focuses on weird sports. We know that Picard's marathon success made him a big hero. It's still Curry's favor with certain admirals. They all talk about it. It's crazy. So, yeah, why not captain of the wrestling team? Uh, Dukat's out here blowing up Klingons. He's on this Kavada-type mission 
transporting some yes. dudes in makeup. And being such a good bad guy. Again, even in this one, <laughs> he blows up those Klingons, which some people are pretty upset about. He says the thing where he's not coming back to save them. He's just going to drop them off and leave them there. Like, he's uh, he's one of the best good bad guys out there. Yeah. Uh, Jake loves his dad. Who cares? Bashir, I said, does a lot of scenes with people while Cisco's team is gone. Was the B-plot supposed to be Bashir's big day or something? <laughs> It's a weird question. He doesn't seem to be working on any of the pressing, strange medical issues that have come up recently. Nope. Like, like that's- finding a way to cure Odo or the, the quickening mm-hmm. or, you know, whatever. Yep. He's just out, just strolling around, chatting with everybody who he walks walks by. I really enjoy Galron. Dude is always down for a fight. I think on the way out, he challenged Worf to 300 passes. Probably. <laughs> it was pretty crazy. <laughs> um, So, as usual, I think the bad part was the DS9 crew and the good part was the guests, and I gave it a five. Uh, well, it's a five for me also. Um, I do have some complaints. Worf has known Gowron for seven years. What does he think about any of this? Yeah. What's it like to be in the room with the heroes receiving the Order of the Batlash? Sure being undercover why is he so excited about fighting Gowron? uh this episode is entirely because Worf was forced onto the show so it would have been nice to check in with him <laughs> if he'd been instead like instead of maybe if he'd said something like finally i'll get my revenge on you Gowron," or something yeah yeah i mean just anything yeah instead of just uh o'brien's a fish out of water <laughs> uh and speaking of which what a lousy choice for cisco's team i can't understand it He's just uncomfortable and out of place. And what do they need him for? To twist that thermal grenade? <laughs> so I was going to ask, like, maybe one of them's going to malfunction and O'Brien's going to have to fix it. I don't know. Why not take Dax? Yeah, she knows she about She knows Klingon how to stuff. fight with a bat left. She could be uh, Huss's buddy or whatever. Yeah, she won't get caught out by anything. Yeah. <sighs> it's real natural that Odo would be sort of lost, and I suspect it will be unnatural how normal he is going forward, but I like that they didn't make him recognize that Martok was a changeling because of shapeshifter magic, but because of basic observation. Yeah. I didn't love Cisco giving his little ethnography lecture about how to act Klingon right there in front of Worf. I know he knew Curzon, Dax, friend of Klingons, yeah. but... Jesus, man, let Worf take this one, huh? You can step back for a minute. You don't have to explain how Klingons are. It's true. At least Worf gave him that thing where he's like, you're very good, sir, but was your intention to challenge me to a fight to the death? At least that got him to shut up for a minute. Exactly. So it's a five for me. Like you said, the guest characters are all crushing it. Uh, O'Brien shouldn't have been there, though. Should have been Dax. Yep, that's a a good call. Or nobody. Could have just been Worf, uh, Cisco, Odo. That also would have worked. Yeah. No reason you couldn't do three of them things in a triangle. Uh, I have a few quick hitters, but just a few. Do it. Um, is the war not going well? It, it seems like Starfleet is perpetually underprepared. I know. The Klingon business, is, the tension has been around for a while now. Also, do they think that no one is going to notice when that bird of prey comes and docks at Deep Space Nine during the declared war with the Klingons? Like, that's not going to get back to the station, to, to the Klingons somehow, yeah. other than a bird of prey had docked at Deep Space Nine would, a couple of days ago? It would be pretty suspicious, for sure. 
is is the floor of the space station at Tiger Core made of stone? <laughs> yeah, dude. They, because Worf talks about smelling the blood and on the stones of the floor or whatever, and it's like, hey, we this is an installation in an asteroid field in space. Yeah, you know, is the stone that stone of the asteroid? Maybe you know, Garon's got a tile guy that he called up. He, I think he does have a tile guy. Mm-hmm. How can there already be a Benzite captain in Starfleet? There can't. But as you said, he did say Benzonite. Yeah. I'm sure if we go to Memory Alpha, they'll be like, the Benzonites <laughs> use breathing tubes. And that's the fucking that's captain. It. So-and-so yes. was an example of this race. And you'd be like, okay, great. All right. Uh, I love the idea that O'Brien is worried he will be recognized by Martok. But Worf, who has let his hair down and that's it, is not worried. And also he's right. Yeah. It is definitely O'Brien that's suspicious in this scenario. Yeah. I gave best actor to Gowron giving a toast to Riga the Cursed or whatever the fuck, <laughs> just enjoying himself up on that stage. He was having a great party. It's too bad for uh, him they fucking spoiled his cool party. For sure, Worf busted in and tried to kill him, but he was like, I mean, he was into this that is part. what he lives for. Yeah, he was into that part. It was the part where they had to arrest them first. That was a bummer. Yeah. Uh, the little weasel Klingon trying to get Odo's statue spot is the worst actor candidate. That guy was getting the order of the Batleth? Yeah, he must be somebody's son. I hope he was a plus one for sure. <laughs> that guy should not he's be just, getting it. He's just like weedy and thin and he's up behind Odo. Yeah. And Odo's like, this is my place. Get out of here. Like, find, find another one. Yeah. And it's like, All right. and then Odo just elbows him once and I guess he's dead. <laughs> he did die for sure. It's like one of those ones that I'm sure Kirk killed like 15 dudes just by punching them in TOS. He gave them uh, one yeah. of those. Or some of those karate chops were lethal for sure. Mm-hmm. I got some. Oh, I got a couple. Yeah, let's have them. Uh, Avery Brooks again was hamming it up big time. He loved being a Klingon. Yes. Um, all of the Klingons laughed so much at the end of that song they were singing. I could only assume the last few words were weird long nipples because <laughs> they all thought it was hilarious um <coughs> don't fuck with the huss um i i um i actually had worst actor candidate klingon guard who objects to martok letting the prisoners out he sounded like he had he wasn't sure how to work with these teeth that they put in his mouth we're supposed. Garon said we're supposed to keep him in jail. <laughs> um, yeah, but that was it for the quick hitters. We did it. That's super cool that we did it. But we have to do the actor rankings. We do. Uh, do you want to? Do you want to start with... Uh, oh, let's just do this. Here, here's how the scores came in this week. Okay. Uh, last place, not a good outing for its final outing. Enterprise, these are the voyages, scored 22. 22 is not actually terrible for last place, but... Not a good send-off. Hurt themselves a lot by getting a zero in characterization. Mm-hmm. They only would have needed four points to tie third place, uh, which was TNG, the mind's eye. They've been on a slip. I mean, they won with half a life and the drum head. But before that, yeah, like five red episodes in a row. Mm-hmm. So 
Yeah, it has a couple been their sets. Best stretch uh, in, in theory doesn't seem like it's going to be very promising either. So no, and then we do get to roll into redemption after that, but it's a two parter, and maybe there's not enough going on in part one to get points. So we'll have to find out. Mm-hmm. Second place this week with thirty points, Voyager in the flesh. That's their. They've finished second like uh, three out of the last five weeks or something. Mm-hmm. Um, not they're not getting any of those wins. They're still stuck here at two wins. But yeah, and even uh, they finished in week ninety five. They were two points away from first place. So yeah. Um, the winner this week, Deep Space Nine, Apocalypse Rising. That's Deep Space Nine's thirty second win, mm-hmm. and they now are within five of TNG. The race is really closing. Yep. And the thing about TNG is we're just about done with the good episode. <laughs> From what we remember with it before we were looking at them very critically, it's yeah. going to start to get bad. Season six and season seven are outright trash. Yeah. Uh, you know, like Darmok is in week 101. So, oh, shit, you know, that one might so score points, soon. right? Uh, maybe unification, but maybe not. I don't know if that's worth anything. Yeah. And then as you roll forward, conundrum, power play, ethics, maybe. Well, that the seems outcast, like it'll have a taste. We know they're going to slip on the outcast. Yeah. Uh, it's looking bad. The first duty. So there are some. There's some that they might win yep. going forward. But the- and we know DS9 is about to go into the big space. Their big space war arc. Cisco's gonna do crazy shit. Uh, everybody's gonna get buck wild. Yeah, war is hell, so, by the way. I don't yeah, know if you war know. is hell is gonna be the take of the next three years. <laughs> um, but uh, it's not impossible that despite the big lead TNG put on in the early seasons, yeah. Deep Space Nine might have more legs than they do at this point. And now with Enterprise retiring and joining TOS, uh, what we have left is TNG with 37 wins, DS9 with 32, and Voyager with 2. <laughs> That's right. So the Voyager uh, will just be along for the ride. Enterprise is going out with a win percentage of 9.28. Mm-hmm. That's locked in. Uh, TOS locked at a win percentage of 21.52, so quite a bit better. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll see where they end up in sort of the final rankings, but, uh, Voy- it would Voyager. be hard for Voyager to catch TOS, but it's, it is still possible for Voyager to catch Enterprise, though they'd have to win. So the, what's working in their know. favor oh. is that there will be less competition each week, but it's still the right. best shows are their competition. Right. Still the two shows with the highest win percentages are, are locked in, yeah. so. That's where we stand on the series here at the end of week 97. Um, But it is time to think about some actors. Yeah. All right. Start with TNG. Start with TNG. Why don't I... Let's do it quicker this time since we've already been at this for a while. I'm going to run through mine. And then you can run through yours. So I'll give you my order first. I have Picard. On top, followed by Jordy. Okay. Followed by Guinan, who has not been around much lately. Uh, yeah. Worf. Riker. Sorry, Riker. Oh, okay. Crusher. Troy. 
Wesley, if we still feel like including him, he also has not been around much because he went to the Academy. Uh, he's got three more episodes, I think. Okay. And Data. So Data's dropping down. You had him at eight previously. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> he's down at nine. Uh, we'll reintroduce lost characters, Pulaski and Yar, when we do our final wrap-up. Sure. Uh, okay, so... A couple of changes in that order. Yeah, I moved Riker up. moved up two spots. And honestly, uh, what's happening is with Riker, they've really leaned into just making him Jonathan Frakes. Which, and he knows how to be Jonathan Frakes. Yes, which one, makes yeah. Riker seem more natural, and two, really entertains me. So You know, my list doesn't have any changes from the last time. Okay, so you still... I still think Guinan, although she is used less, does better work than Jordy when she shows up. Okay. I think it's mostly that they're not giving LeVar Burton acting to do. They gave him one good scene at the end of this last one, Mm -hmm. but it's going to be a while. We'll see if we like his scene. Like what are the big Jordy episodes coming up? Aquiel, the one where his mom's missing. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah. Jordy episodes. Not so much. There's not so many of them left. Uh, So we'll see if they give him an opportunity. One where warp drive hurts the galaxy. Oh, is that a big one for him? Yes. I haven't seen that, that one recently. He has. He takes it hard in that one. <clears throat> but let's go ahead and just look at the combined rankings and see how they have changed. Uh, yeah, no shift in the order from last time. Mm-hmm. So still Picard, Guy, and Jordy Worf, uh, Crusher, and Riker are tied. Troy, uh, and then Troy, and then Wesley, and then Data. Yeah. So, no big change. What's today's date? 13th. 21. We last did this exercise on uh, April 8th of last year when uh, TOS went out. Yep. All right. We'll have to pick a date to do it next time because it's basically the rest of the whole run before uh, Voyager goes out. Yeah, we could do so. it after like 120 or 125 yeah. or something. Um, all right. DS9. All right. What I got... And by the way, I don't. This one is this one's tough because it's uh, there's so many. Well, characters. I don't know which characters really to include, but my ma- my main list here is Garrick. Okay. Quark. Uh, okay, so that's a flip flop for you. You had them one and two. Uh, Ducat. Okay. Odo. Okay. Rom. Oh, Rom picks up a spot. Uh, Worf. Kai Win, I mean, she ain't been oh, on. Oh, Worf is new. Hold on, I gotta add Worf. Oh, he's not even on here. Okay. Yeah, Worf wouldn't have been on the last right. one. Oh, no, he's there. You had him seventh last time. Sorry. Oh, okay. So, yeah, uh, right now I have him after man. Rom. Yeah, we have him at six. Uh, then Kai... And then did you say Kai, Kai Win? she ain't been she, around much, but... She ain't been around. She drops two spots. Uh, Kira. Okay. Cisco. O'Brien. Jake. Mm, interesting. Bashir. Jake up to 11. Yep. Then Bashir, uh, Dax. Cassis. Ooh, Dax moves up a couple of spots. She's been a little bit better lately. Yeah. Cassidy. Uh, Cassidy and then Nog, even though he ain't been around much lately either. Um, and then I don't know if there's anybody else that I should be putting in there. Are we leaving Eddington in the list? I haven't put him in because he... Uh, so if we put him in... Where I would have Eddington is right. Let's 
let's drop him out. I think it's reasonable to assume we're never going to see Eddington again. And whether we do or not. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I have him out for now. So let's cut Eddington from the list. (sighs) Okay. There's going to be a big change on my list. Okay. Because I am moving Ducat to number one. Yeah. Alamo. Garrick is going to be two. Quark will stay three on my list. Okay. Odo's had a couple of good episodes recently, but also a couple of stinkers, and he's losing screen time. Mm, he big docked Worf with those pads. That was good. <laughs> you got him ready. Yeah, I'll leave Odo at four, and I'm going to move Kai Wynn down to five. Okay. Like you, we haven't seen her in places where it would have been obvious to see her. Yeah, I mean, like uh, she does do a work. good job when she's in the show. She, she's a she's a cold yeah. bitch. Like it's, I get it. Rom is six. Kira is seven. Cisco is eight. O'Brien is nine. Dax is now ten. Oh damn! All right, so a big move for her. Yeah. Bashir is eleven. Okay. <sighs> Do I think Dorn's not we, doing we it for Cassidy you. on the list, right? Yeah, I mean, again, we don't have to. I just okay. I had her in there. Worf will be... No, it's not Worf next. Next is... Oh, you're crushing Dorn. Next is Jake. Oh! <laughs> Jake, 13. Cassidy, Yates, 14. Worf is 15. Oh, man. And then, then Nog is going to close it out and... Why do I have more than you? I must have miscounted. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11. I have no 12 ah, somehow so on the list. Jake becomes 12. Yeah. There we go. 12, 13, uh, 14, 15. Worf has dropped to the bottom of my Whoa, list. Oh, Michael Dorn's the worst actor? <laughs> I, mean, I, I know he's seeing it. He's not doing much. He's doing bad Worf. Oh, okay. So. If we uh, combine it, let's drop Eddington down with Beryl. We can always bring him back in a future sure. edition. Yeah. Uh, and then sort. We now have the order Garrick, Ducat, Quark, Odo, Rom, Win, Kira, Cisco, O'Brien, Worf, uh, and then Bashir, Jake, and Dax are all tied. And then Nog and Cassidy are tied at the bottom. Okay. All right. Voyager. That was the tough one. That was the big one. They have so many uh, characters, and they're only going to have more characters. <sighs> like, yeah, seriously, the last three seasons, they introduced so many characters. Well, that's bad news for sure. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> All right, on to Voyager. Yeah. All right, what I got here? I got Neelix. Okay. I got seven. All right. Schmullis. Okay. Balana. All right. She got a chance to show some stuff lately. Two. Nah, I'm not talking about her shower scene. Tuvok. No. Yeah, Tuvok. Uh, Janeway. Janeway. Chicote. TP. And poor Harry Kim. Who's <laughs> been a little bit better lately, but still not doing it for me. Oh, and Kess drops out. Oh, yeah. Kess is yeah, out. No Kess. She uh, joins Seska and Carrie. <laughs> yes, she does join Seska and Lieutenant Carrie at the bar. At the bottom, no longer in contention. I do like that we did include Carrie at the beginning. He did show up a few times. He was around. He was up in there quite a, quite a few times. Uh, okay, number one is seven for me. Okay. Then uh, Neelix, 
Schmollis was in third. I'm going to say... Tuvok's hard because he's playing no emotions, which seems like a crutch, but like... It's tough, yeah. But like, T-Pol's very bad at it. Tuvok's four, Bolana's five, Janeway is now six, Chakotay seven, Tom Paris eight, Harry Kim nine, nobody tell him. (laughs) He, He sent us a nice message. It was very, very nice in his message, and you listened to his podcast. I listened to the one or two episodes or something. You listened to a couple episodes of the podcast. Uh, in terms of the combined rankings, Neelix and Seven are tied. Uh, Shmolus is in third alone. Tuvok and Bolana are tied. Um, then Janeway, Paris, Chicote, and Kim. Okay. Oh, oh, sorry. I had the wrong order. Paris has moved above Chicote. All right. Okay. I mean, Chicote's moved above Paris the other way. Yeah, there's a lot. All right, last one then. Uh, Enterprise. Let's start with people we can final take out. Show. We can take out yeah. Degra, I assume. Uh, no, this is the final one. Oh, so you're right. You're it's retrospective. Point. Everyone's in it. Oh, shit. All right, well, Degra stays at one then. He really was the best <laughs> actor on the show. Um. Yeah, Phlox. Uh, uh, wait, so, so here's an important question. Hmm. Should we add the Zindi Primate Counselor? The one who never got the name? He never got a name, but he was in quite a few of them. Can you look up what his name is? Because I'm sure he, he got doesn't one. have one. He didn't get one even off screen? Like a Star Trek no, card version? Yeah, even off screen. There's no name for this dude. Well, you got to call him in the document. Primate Counselor? Yeah, <laughs> parentheses, Admiral Bullock. <laughs> okay. I mean, if you want to add him, he was in a lot for sure. I just... Well, okay. If I add him, where you're going to have to think about him in your rankings. I will. But Degra stays at one. He was the best one in the show. All right, you've got Degra in at one. I'm going to go with Phlox two. Phlox in at two. I'm going to okay. go Shran three. Shran's in at three. I'm going to say Trip four. Trip's moved up to four above Silic. Yeah. You didn't think that Silic was still in it, but you'll have to consider that now. Um, uh, M. Furry Abraham. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm um, yes. Uh, after that, I'm gonna put Silic. Silic five, and I'm gonna put Primate Counselor six. Six. I'm gonna go. T pole. T pole's at seven. I am gonna say Reed. Okay, Reed's in at eight. Um. I'm going to put Hoshi at 9, Dalem at 10. I had forgotten that guy's name, but as soon as I read it, I remembered who he was. Archer at 11. Okay. Oh, boy. And then here we go. Soval. Soval's 12. Forest. Fucking Daniels, I guess. Jesus, these are bad. Daniels at 14. Hayes. Major Hayes at 15. Nice boy Mayweather. <laughs> Mayweather at 16. He never um, showed anything throughout the whole series. Uh, sir, I got one more for you. Where's Commander Kelby, please? Oh, that piece of shit. Um, He's in a bunch of them. P- 
put him at. He's even in the mirror universe. Put him at. Uh, put him at the new fourteen. So put Daniels at fifteen, Hayes at sixteen, Mayweather seventeen. All right. Uh, fourteen and seventeen. Yeah. All right. Anyone else you feel is important enough to add to the rankings? Uh, let's think about it. Um. Well, the last season. There was only there was a few arcs, but I, hopefully we don't have to include anyone from those arcs. Yeah, I don't think we have to include the, the bad models. Uh, sorry, the angry mod, the ang- the models with the misshapen heads. We don't have to include them. Right? We, don't, we don't have to include the augments or soon. Okay, good. we don't have to include. I think the leader of Terra Prime. Good. We don't have to include James Avery. Uh, who did James Avery play? Uncle Phil. He was the Klingon in the Klingon arc. He was the Klingon boss, not the Klingon scientist. Um, I got a... Oh, he was the Klingon boss, not the Klingon scientist. Yeah. I somehow have been added to the list, uh, the catalog list for a James Avery jewelry company. Whoa. And every time they send me a catalog, I think, is it the same James Avery? <laughs> is it? Did he go into jewelry? Uncle Phil slash the Shredder? Yeah, and the answer is no. Okay, that's too bad. A different guy. Uh, all right. I can't really think of anyone so now, else who appeared over and over again we'd have to add. My, I, uh, no one else is jumping out at me. Yeah. Like people, like you said, people were mostly confined to their little arcs. Yeah. Okay. Is it, so Degra's number one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, do we have to include T-Pol's mom? She was in separate arcs. I don't want to. Uh, she... She was in two arcs. I don't remember her name. Same for her husband. <laughs> yeah, it's true. That guy Kong? was in two as well. What was oh, name? I want to say Stan, but I know that's from TOS. It started with a K, though, for sure. I don't know. Fuck those guys. Uh, all right, we'll leave them out. Yeah. All right. Uh, all right, so Degra's number one. Yeah. Number two for me, T-Pole. Wow, really? Okay. Jumped up to two. She was only at four on my old list. Yeah. Number three, Zindi Primate Council. Oh, you like that's why you wanted to include him. You liked that guy. Number four, <laughs> Flocks. Okay. Five is Shran. Six is Hoshi. Okay. Seven is Silic. Okay. Man, I'd almost go, go through and eliminate the numbers on everyone else you haven't named just to make it this easier. This is getting tough for sure. You're going to see Eight a lot of is Trip. Uh, eight is trip. Nine is gonna be Archer. Okay. Ten Dolem. Okay. Eleven Soval. Uh huh. Twelve. Nice dad, Admiral Forrest. He was just a nice guy who just wanted everyone to get along at work. Thirteen Major Hayes. 14, Kelby. I wish they'd played up more whether he and Reed were going to smash. That would have been interesting. <laughs> 15, Reed. 16, Daniels. 17, Mayweather. Okay. Uh, is my Does my list have any duplicates? I don't Let me quickly sort so. by it. I think you did okay. No, it looks fine. Looks like I got it. Uh, and then let's sort up the final Final, list. final rankings for these motherfuckers. Yeah. I got Degra's yeah. number one. <laughs> well... What are you going to do? 
Yeah, the final list. So here it is. Degra, Phlox, Shran, Teepol, and the Zindi Primate Counselor are tied. Both of those are my fault. <laughs> uh, then Silic and Trip are tied. Yeah. Hoshi, then Archer and Dolum are tied. Soval and Reed are tied. Admiral Forrest. Kelb. Seems like he should be higher, but that's how we ranked it. Yep. Commander Kelby with his first appearance, three from the bottom, and then Hayes, Daniels, and Mayweather. Poor Mayweather getting last place just all across the fucking board. Although, actually, it looks like and, you had Mayweather at nine in June of 2017. Yep. Or we did, I guess. We had him. We had him at nine points as opposed to 11. But something's weird about this. I must have cleared out. Like, the numbers don't make sense. Are they still being added up or something? I don't know. Yeah. If you look at the numbers for the June of 2017 list, there's... Oh, it's totals. Yeah, that's why. That's the totals. I got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we didn't have him worst on the first one, but after that... No, we had him above <laughs> T-Pole, Archer, and Reed yeah. in that first ranking. But, well, we did hate them. <laughs> we hated them a lot, for sure. <laughs> yeah. All right, finally, we fucking come to the end of this one. This was a long one, everybody. We did it. But yeah, but moving forward, uh, the good news is they're gonna get shorter. They have to, right? They must be get shorter because we don't have to do Enterprise and we don't have to talk about Enterprise anymore. Down to three, and you sort of were mentioning the ones we have to do next. Did we? Did, yeah. Did we do that? I don't remember. No, we didn't. Uh, next week we are watching for TNG in theory. I remember it being bad. We shall see. For Deep Space Nine, the ship. Ah, uh, the beginning of Jem'Hadar stuff, finally, or like Dominion stuff. Yes, we get some, we get some Dominion stuff, and for Voyager, and I cannot stress enough how much I hate this title. Once upon a time, not encouraging. It's not a good start. It's not encouraging. Going into this all. new era of three episodes. I also seem to recall that it had a bad screenshot, but I don't remember what it was. Me so either. All right, everybody. That's what you're watching. But next week, I guess it's a mailbag. How nice is it? We're going back onto the mailbag cycle. Oh, that feels so good. That is nice. It's so nice not to have to oh. watch three Star Treks this week. Oh, off the clock. No other dumb project. Just got to get Shannon's uh, fruit bracket decisions. That's it. So, Shannon, send us your fruit bracket decisions. Um, at Brother Date on Twitter, you can get a hold of us. Fill up that mailbag. We're doing more of them now. Um, brothers of BrotherDate.com. Want to send us an email? Check out brotherday.com for the updated Landry with the final actor rankings for Enterprise. And uh, check us out on all of the podcatchers. Um, yeah, we're on all of them. Every single one. Uh, and I guess that's it. As you believe, so shall you do, so shall you do. As you believe. As you believe, so, so shall, shall you, you do. do. I'm Gorgon! Three is too low. It's probably a five. <laughs> Say, look, if you I was wanna, just mad, I was mad. If you want to send them out with a fucking uh, bat to the head, go for it, man. I don't care. <laughs> I'm done with these guys. I'm not even going to remember this show in a few years. Please subscribe.